Greetings, fellow seekers, and welcome to our humble place of refuge. We're here to provide you with zany yet thoughtful and passionate takes on a variety of things from the world of arts and entertainment. These are things that help us get through the grind called life. Art rules and commerce sucks. Don't let the marketplace tell you what to consume. Let us. Will you vouch? Let's find out. Join us now for Secret Sources of Sustenance. This is Ben and Bob, and we are back for another episode of Secret Sources of Sustenance on a rainy night here in the Midwest, where the thunderstorms linger like an old man's fart. <laughs> but we need them. We desperately we need them. Yeah, right my now. lawn could use it for sure. Yeah, well, I'm just sick of the water bill, man. Like, yeah, I've been watering like crazy because oh we just God, uh, yeah. overseeded it and everything. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. This so time you're, of year. you're in double wind. Oh, my God, yeah. I don't have a sprinkler system. It's like I, one thing I wish... You know, I, I used to cuss house. them, but the older I get, I'm the same way. You know, I see my most of, a lot of my neighbors around me have, and I'm out there with just the rainbow, old school sprinkler that rainbows, and you move it two times in the yard, it gets the whole thing, you know? So, yeah, I have the uh, one of the rainbows and one of the ones that, you know, goes around yeah. in a circle, but yeah. it's like, you know, I'll run them both at the same time, front and back, but then I'm out there like every 15 minutes moving, moving around. Yeah, because around they're not, and, not quite right, or they, no. it's not hitting this, or, yeah, yeah. No, my backyard's such a kind of a... It's not a weird shape. There's just so much to work ground around. to cover in a in a weird. It's not a weird shape. It's a, it's the way that it's spread out, right? Like it's yeah. You're always you're always at least with me. I'm always watering something that I don't want to water. Like my neighbor next door, dude doesn't ever do his leaves. Doesn't care about. So I used to water, and then there was a couple years there where I just stopped because all that would happen is it was like my water that was throwing over there. He would suck it into his, so he'd have like. We'd have one nice green strip <laughs> between the two lawns, you know? It's like... God. That's about it, yeah. And yeah. Now the, now the leaves are already coming. Oh, yeah, I know, no, I know. No break for us. We're at that point where, like, you see, you'll just look out your backyard, there'll be a gust of wind, and, like, a bunch of leaves will just fall to the ground. You're like, shit. Yeah, I hear you. So, anyway, I mean, I, I welcome the, the rain tonight, and, uh, you know, I've been here since, like, 05, but one thing I noticed, like, right off the bat when I moved here is just how violent the thunderstorms can be here they and like can get really bad and how long they stick around they'll just hover over the town for, for like a night yeah and all night long you'll oh, be, yeah you know just lightning and thunder and yeah and that's six, what's supposed to do tonight straight. it's not supposed to stop to like 11 o'clock tomorrow and then we're morning. gonna have some throughout the week aren't we i believe it's gonna start cooling down a little bit um that's my understanding that's what yeah. everybody wants to hear midwest fe- uh, weather forecast oh yeah <laughs> it's a good so way this to week, good uh, way to start it off yeah yeah um, all right, so tonight we're going to talk about the 2020 uh, film Sound of Metal, uh, dr- directed and co-written by Darius Martyr, stars uh, Riz Ahmed and Olivia Cook and uh, Paul Racy, who, uh, who played the Joe, Joe, the Joe right. character. Um, this movie's about uh, a drummer, uh, Ruben, who's in this, uh, I guess, avant-garde, like heavy metal or punk band with his girlfriend. Lou, um, and um, he suddenly and rapidly starts losing his hearing, 
and he's a recovering addict. So kind of this, the central drama of the movie is like, uh, will his demons resurface? Can he, can he stay, say, stay sober? Right. Um, so had you heard of, you hadn't even heard no, of this it, one? The, the, no, the, the first, the first I had heard of it, I thought you had texted me months ago, a couple months ago and asked if I had seen this and I said, no. So I yeah. figured that would be on the docket. And then it, it came up and I was confusing it with another movie. So when I finally found it, uh, on Amazon, uh, and read it, I mean, after you telling me about it, it sounded super interesting. So yep. dialed it up and, and watched it and yeah, I mean, I'll let you kind of, kind of lead us down that path, but definitely, definitely, um, I feel like it's a movie that you can take a bunch of different ways. Uh, and in fact, your text where you're like, uh, I don't know if it resonated with you as much as it resonated with me. And I'm curious to hear why it resonated with you, obviously. And then yeah. bounce that off because you can look at this thing a bunch of different ways. It's almost like how you first interpret it when you're watching it and as you go through, because the more I think about it, I've actually looked at it in different ways. Yeah. I think there's like this surface level view that it's about this, uh, you know, guy that suddenly uh, becomes deaf and has to uh, adapt to that uh, dramatic change and kind of make his way into the the deaf community. And it certainly is about that. And uh, obviously, like, you know, not being deaf, I'm not in a position to speak for whether it like represents deaf people, but I, I guess it's pretty well received by the deaf community and does a good job uh, introducing that that world but i i think the movie's got another Mm -hmm. sort of deeper layer than Mm -hmm. than that um but we can we'll get into that here in a little bit um so um what about the actor riz ahmed who stars in this movie is is ruben are you familiar with him at all did you no he he seemed familiar uh but i i'm not i'm not like I don't know who, but like when you see him, he has a familiar face. Like, have I seen him in something else? Especially when he shaved, when he shaved his head. Yeah. Um, but what else has he been in? Because so I did you've not, seen I him. Know. I know you've seen him in Rogue One. He was in Rogue uh, One. I think he was like a, uh, he a was, pilot. He, yes, he was. Um, um, I can't remember the name. His name in that that movie. It was a small role, but he was in it several times. I mean, he was in it several times. Yeah, I mean, he was. Because he had black, kind of black, combed over hair. It was a little shorter. Um. Yeah, I think I remember him wearing like goggles. Yeah, well, think, he was an X-wing fight, uh, pilot. Was he an X-wing he, pilot? Yeah, he was. He was. A, all... He was a pilot. Um, yeah, and it's been a while since I've seen that movie, but I think he was, you know, not like one of the main main no, people, no, he wasn't but he was. Person. He was in it quite a quite a bit. Yeah. Um, he was also in this movie called Nightcrawler with Jake Gyllenhaal. I don't know if you ever saw that. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a Gyllenhaal, Gyllenhaal fan, so like I I don't. I usually stay away from his movies. Um, really? I've, I've he's, seen, he's one of my favorite actors. Yeah, I can't. I, he's just... Really? Bo- him and his sister both, they bother me tremendously. <laughs> tremendously. It's it's like a Sean Penn bothers me type. I have these hang-ups with certain people. And I saw Gyllen- I saw Jake Gyllenhaal as... Um, um, my God. In the Spider-Man movie. Um, oh, um, Mysterio? Mysterio, yes. Yeah, Mysterio. Yeah. And he, and he <clears throat> you know, wasn't horrible. And of course, Brokeback Mountain, I was drug into seeing that and saw him in that and that was a you know i was i, I have thoughts on that movie for, for another day but I, i've seen him in those two but i just yeah. there's something i don't know what it is it's like he and his sister both are actors trying to act like they're acting to me yeah i don't know i her more than him i don't know that i could, could disagree with you more with regards to both of them i really like them uh i think they've done some pretty 
pretty good work. But yeah. well, but I haven't seen it all either, right? Because I have yeah. a preconceived notion that I don't like him, so therefore I'm admitting that I'm sure he's done some fine work. Yeah. It's just he's one of those dudes where I'm just like, ugh. Like I just even if I see his name in a story, I'm just like just rubs you the wrong yeah, way for whatever like reason. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing personally. Um, I'm sure he's a nice man. I don't want to say oh, that. Oh, yeah. Just he's just not my right. Not my cup of tea. Right. No, completely understandable. Um, so he was in. Uh, that movie Nightcrawler with Jake Gyllenhaal and then he was in this miniseries on HBO called The Night Of where he was accused of killing this girl that he hooked up with the night before and he I think he sort of blacked out and doesn't remember whether he did it or not but he's not the type of person to have done that but he gets accused and okay. I don't know there, there's something like magnetic or charismatic about that guy uh, well, to he's, me he's an interesting like he bothered <clears throat> me at the beginning mm-hmm. um, more so not him but the character like it once you get through like to me it's one of those movies where when it when it's over uh i mean i was completely interested the whole time mm-hmm. a lot of elements of, of a type of uh, movie that i like you know it can go multitudes of ways it's there's the, the whole thing of of uh, you know i think the, the the thing of of how how should i put this like you're you're almost most of the movie they did a really good job to me um which may i think once I grasped that, it didn't bother me, um, but it could probably bother some people. Is you you almost um, you almost feel the movie at least two thirds of it, kind of as close as you could by somebody that is having these problems, like yeah, going deaf and yeah. The sound design in this movie really cool. Yeah, they 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 make you feel like you're in Ruben's head, the Rizamed character's head, as he's going deaf and what that must be like. And they slowly remind you of that. And they pretty they do it pretty seamlessly because at first it it was like, you know, I'm sitting down, I was just, I'm watching the movie, I don't know what to expect. I mean, I read the synopsis so I knew what to expect in terms of, right. like, you know, right. like, how are we going to get there? How quick does it happen? Because they just jump right in. I mean, it's like, boom, he's got the show and then next thing you know, the hearing thing starts happening. Oh, yeah. And then you're, you're, in, you're into it, you're off to the races but what was weird is there was a couple times where um, you you find yourself as just a human being watching a movie when there was all there was a lot of silence mm-hmm. and you're kind of like well, this movie's slow this movie, you know you, you your nature is to say that and then I'm like no actually this is what that's what I ended up loving about it's the a movie. quiet movie and it demands your attention or no you're I, right uh, it does it it well hold on. It makes you think that it demands your attention every single scene because you're unaware as to if it's going to be, like, <clears throat> through the perspective of somebody being deaf, through, like, what's going to happen to where I was, like, I, well, quiet. You know, I, like, made the kids go downstairs. And I'm, like, just, yeah. you know, it was very, like... But but honestly, you could watch it again with a little bit of distraction. and Yeah. And, and, but it creates that feeling. Yeah, like... Like, you're going to miss something if, if you, you don't, don't pay attention. hear the slightest or see the slightest thing because... Yeah. The fact of the whole, you know, deaf, deaf community issue... Uh, not issue. Um, yeah, what's, what's that aspect of the yeah, movie. Yeah, the, the aspect, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, it won. Uh, it was nominated for a bunch of Academy Awards, um, including Best Picture, Best Screenplay, Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor. It didn't win any of those. It won... It did win, though, Best Sound... Best sound and best film editing, which I think just speaks to what we're talking about right now. The way right. it, it pulls you into his head and makes you kind of feel. Well, like... it, it almost too, uh, <clears throat> you know, the the uh, there's there's an undertone because of that kind of thing. Um, it, it was very like um, 
like a B-side feel to Blowout, <laughs> like the the focus on sound. So yeah. Two, two times in a row, and I and I was like, this is I didn't, crazy. I didn't like, think about that when I picked that, but yeah, yeah, just the first thing when when especially like when they when they did the whole well we'll we'll get into, it. but there are certain points where, you know, the the soundboard, the sounds he's hearing, the sounds he can't hear, the sounds we hear, all that stuff. I was like, it's kind of crazy how there's a little bit of a a loose connection in terms of that sensory feeling when you're like the i should say the importance of sound or lack of sound yeah is a theme that was in the last uh yeah indefinitely and, yeah. and it runs through this movie i i i don't know I, I hadn't thought about that but you're you're right that's a good uh that's a good point um the other uh I, you know i guess she she's not in the whole movie she's kind of in the beginning and the end but the other kind of uh, uh big actor in this movie or big part in this movie rather is uh olivia cook I really haven't seen her in much. I think she was in Ready Player Two, which was uh, this movie with the the yeah I saw the, the trailer the guy that played the the kid in um, Joe. Uh, yes, that's right. That's, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. that Thai uh, Thai. Yeah, I can't. I can't it's definitely Thai, but I can't. Yeah. yeah, I think they were like the main stars of that that movie. She hasn't been in a ton. I really liked um, her though. She was yeah she was great, and then Paul Racy who played Joe. He was fantastic. Yeah, he's he was great. He uh, was up for best supporting actor for this one, and uh, I, I went and looked at his filmography because I didn't recognize him. But he he was in he's been uh, in a lot of stuff. Though. He was in Baskets, which okay, I really Louis, liked. With, with, um, it's Louis Anderson yes, Louis and Anderson. Uh, um, it's uh, it's off the air now. Correct? Zach Galifianakis. Yeah, yeah it's it was been like, off for like three or four years, but it was yeah. yeah I, I wanted to go back and circle back to that because like I, there's a lot of people that said that it's it's very very good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, and then he was also in one of my favorite all time uh, uh, shows, Parks and Rec, as well, and in that. So um, <clears throat> yeah, this movie a little bit under the radar because it came out during uh, the pandemic. It was released by Amazon Studio, Studios in theaters in uh, November 2020. I think they do that. They put it in theaters for a couple of weeks so that it qualifies to for awards for award oh, yeah. season or whatever. Yeah. And then it went to Amazon uh, Prime Video uh, the first week of December uh, 2020. Um, so good news for our listeners out there. You won't have to download some obscure <laughs> streaming app. Hey, with... hey, speaking of, real quick. No I'll, offense, I'm Bob. Off no, I, I, I'm cheap, man. I love them. Uh, Tubi, have you noticed the four, uh, well, there's more than four, but four of the sports, live sports channels they put on there? I have, no, I have not been Yeah, they've added uh, Fox Sports, NFL Network, MLB Network. Really? Uh, and one out, now it's, it's, you know, they pick and choose what they have on there, but it's fantastic and it's free. Now, which one was the one that I watched, uh, Blow It On? Was that Tubi or Pluto? Blowout was, that was, uh, that was Pluto? Uh, Pluto, and you can't, right. you had a fire stick so you can search, but that's yeah. one thing that I don't know if I, I failed to mention last time that I, that I realized because I went back and watched Blowout a third time. Like <laughs> after, after we yeah, recorded? Yeah, really? like within two days. I went and did it one final time to put yeah. it to bed for a while. Yeah. God, it's such a great movie. But um, I noticed that you have to search. If you have a fire stick, you can search the movie in the search function, the magnifying, you know, the search magnifying glass because it searches everything that's on your... Yeah, it's like a global stick. search. But you can't watch it on Pluto... Like, if you have the Pluto app on your TV and you turn it on and you're watching, like, just your TCL or whatever, mm -hmm. LG or whatever, you can't, it's, you're just watching what's on Pluto. Yeah. You can go to an on-demand, but it's not on the on-demand, but what's weird is you if don't you have go a choice. online, it's like... but if you go to their website and you search Blowout, they're like, watch now, and click it on and you watch it now like, like we watched it. Yeah. Um, and then I got my, all my Apple stuff corrected, so now I 
recovered my digital version of it through Apple. So now I have it with no commercials. Oh, you downloaded it. Yeah. So if you ever want to watch it again without commercials, yeah. I'll give you my username. You know, you can yeah, log in and I'll let you know. Yeah. It no, way, it was. So. Uh, I did enjoy it for sure. But yeah. Um, so back back to back yeah. to the uh, back on track here. I apologize. Yeah. So the listeners can go out to just you know Amazon Prime Video and just do a search of uh, Sound of Metal. Yeah, and I think it's free if you have Amazon Prime. If you don't, what is it like? Four ninety nine to rent now, something like that. We have yeah, Reasonable. probably like five yeah. bucks or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Um, what about uh, so this director Darius Martyr? Uh, he, uh, I guess, had done some documentary work before this and uh, did some writing work. Did you ever see the movie uh, The Place Beyond the Pines? I did not. That's a, a good one, too. I think maybe that'll be a future secret source of sustenance. Okay. It's uh, I'll hold Ryan, on Ryan Gosling and Bradley Cooper. Okay. I don't know if I'm you just have now. I'm just now coming around on... on uh, Gosling was another... He was in the Gyllenhaal thing forever, but he, he, he broke through on... Um, was it the other guys? Did you ever see that with him and Russell Crowe? Yes, I did see that like one. It. I, I, I like that because of the Detroit auto connections and all that. Yeah, and it, was, that and it was kind of like a poor man's Lebowski feel to it, you know? Like yeah. They tried a little too hard, but, like, him and Crowe were fantastic together. The was rapport. that Shane Black that directed yes, that? Yes, I believe so, yeah. The yeah. same guy that did... Did he do Snatch? Who did Snatch? No, that was... Um, Shane, did Shane Black do no. Ace? Uh, he did Ace? Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer. But didn't he do the, the one with... Uh, Jeremy Piven at Smoke and Aces. Did he do that one? Have you ever seen that? I have seen Smoke and Aces. <laughs> That's a great movie. That's a crazy movie. But yeah, it's yeah, yeah, I have seen it. It's been it's been a while, but Yeah, that yeah. came out like fifteen years ago. But Yeah, no, uh I love Guy Ritchie is Guy the Ritchie one is that, who I'm thinking yeah. of. But I don't know if he did Smoke and Aces. I'm gonna look that up. Uh, but I don't anyway, know. I go for it. I'm just um bad so I don't know. Um he uh Darius Martyr he didn't direct Place Behind the Pines, but he co-wrote it with his uh, good buddy uh, Derek Cien France, and uh, I, that's a good movie. I I, uh, I guess it's about like fathers and sons and uh, legacies, and takes place across generations. Mm. It's like delivered in two I like those. two halves. Okay. Um, it's linear, or is it like all over the place? It's well, it's linear. It's linear. Okay. Um, you know, there's a couple flaws, but I think it's kind of a near perfect uh movie and then you ever hear the movie blue valentine with ryan gosling and michelle williams yes that was from about four or five years ago wasn't it it, it got a lot so. of buzz I a lot of buzz yeah. um but it was kind of an uncomfortable wasn't it kind of controversial or um i think maybe it was uh gratuitous like uh sex scenes or something maybe okay. pretty intense okay, i don't know that's that's what i think i made some rough sex in, in that uh, i honestly don't uh, Shane Black, know. real quick. Nice guys. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Iron Man three. Predator. Swing State. Uh, as good as it gets. That's the one that I was saying with Jack Nicholson. That's another big one that he did there. Oh yeah. So he's done some pretty damn big movies. Yeah. But not Smoking Aces. Not Smoking Aces. Yeah. So I'm oh, sorry. There you go. No, you're all good. Keep digressing. All good. Um, so before we get into the plot here, I guess you know Riz Ahmed is uh, a rapper. <laughs> you know he's a British guy and. He's a rapper, so he's got like some familiarity with music, but he'd never played drums before, so he had to learn how to play. Well, I was gonna say because that was legit, that was legitimately him. But they did, they hit it well because it was just a pretty simple uh, beat. You or I, a couple months of doing, you know, you could you could figure yeah. that out. But it went well with the they 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 did a good thing making it the whole avant garde where she's got the re- weird like alternative guitar tones yeah. screaming, and then he's just providing the. 
you know, it's almost like a uh, like a metal version of the Velvet Underground, like way but way back. You know, it's a real weird. Yeah, I guess uh, it's they were based on a real band. Oh, it's were like they really? A, okay. A couple called Jucifer that uh, <laughs> the director knows, and the director was uh, what Darius Martyr, I think is what his name is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, Darius Martyr knew this band Jucifer, this husband and wife, and he started doing like a documentary uh, about them, right? And that's what it, his movie was gonna be it was gonna be a documentary about them and then oh so he just took inspiration and made his own was, unique story yeah like the documentary fizzled out but he had this like idea like what if one of them like the husband becomes deaf you know and he, he just uh got obsessed by this idea and turned it into this this movie so um yeah and then uh you know Riz Ahmed had to learn American Sign Language as well yeah um, yeah uh as well for those I had those to do scenes. that I, I identified with that uh I one of my jobs they brought in a deaf guy um and we all like the company was cool like totally cool about it because we all couldn't communicate with him obviously so they paid for 16 weeks i think 12 to 16 weeks of sign language class oh that's so we cool. could learn enough to to talk with him yeah but what's weird is like um long story short it wasn't there a long time and then we got out of practice and i mean i can remember like my name and a few of the like thank you and you know yeah but it's one thing that i wish i would have done more of Oh yeah, it fascinates me. Sign language is one of those things that, it, it, for me, it's even more fascinating than a than a foreign language. It's just yeah. cool. It was fascinating in the in the in the movie for sure, and the mm-hmm. way it was uh, portrayed and everything. I remember like my kids before they could talk, they would learn sign language yeah. in daycare or whatever, you know. More. Yeah, thank it was you. milk. Milk. Yeah. 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 Nobody think... nobody can see this, but. Uh... Yeah, we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're like Norm Macdonald doing his ventriloquist bit on Dennis Miller. Yeah. Like, R.I.P. Uh, oh, my God. All right, so you want to get into the plot? Yeah, go ahead, man. All right, so, uh, you know, we'll do what we do uh, usually do, which is just kind of go through the plot and let you uh, react to it and then, you know, let it take us down whatever rabbit hole Absolutely. we want it to. So, uh, you know, film opens with this performance of this two-piece uh, avant-garde heavy, heavy metal or punk band. I don't know, how would you describe them musically? Alternative is a good word. I mean, it, there, there's... It, it wasn't really, like, metal to me because it was... It, I would say it was more like almost like droning punk with a little bit of hard... I don't know, because it didn't have the... Like, when I think of like metal, I think post-punk, of... Post-punk. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, there, there's a better... It's like it's almost like a like a post-punk avant-garde... Kind of artsy. Alternate, yeah, it's a, a... A little bit angry. <laughs> very, very angry. <laughs> yeah. Um, but unique, you know, like, so she was basically... She had the dyed... I loved her dyed blonde eyebrows, so it looked like she didn't have eyebrows. Yeah, that freaked me out a little bit. Yeah, at the beginning. And, and yeah. she just was doing this really minimalist guitar that was kind of supplementing her screaming. It was more of like... Real stripped It was almost down. like poetry, like like angry beat poetry to like a... a like the beat. metal version of, of beat poetry. And then he was just filling in... Yeah, it makes me want to listen to the real-life Jucifer. Yeah, to see what that to was see, all about. Like, yeah, yeah if, it, if they sound similar, but... So not you know, anything that I would listen to, I will tell you that. Like no, not necessarily, you know. but just. But it was a, perfect for the movie. Yeah, like, I, yeah. Um, so the band is they're called Black Gammon. They're composed or comprised rather of uh, you know Ruben, the main character on drums, and then Lou, which is short for Louise, his girlfriend. She's the singer, and uh, you know we see him at this music club, and then we kind of see him living out of their Airstream RV and going town to town to shows, selling merch. And at least in the beginning of the movie, they both seem to be in a really, uh, you know, good place. Um, it, it, it's clear that, 
you know, Ruben seems to be like a, a health nut, you know, he's like making healthy breakfasts and smoothies in the morning and getting up really early and exercising, and drinking coffee. Um, you know, and, and, uh, she seems to be which is very common for people that are ex-drug addicts too a lot of them that's yeah the routine religion yeah you have to keep no matter where you're at yeah you keep you keep the same routine day in and day out yeah and especially like heroin junkies like dave gone of depeche mode like i've i've read interviews over the years of him and that's like that's the whole thing that he talks about is becoming like a creature of habit yeah yeah and you because he's like i think about heroin every day yeah even if i'm having a great day i still but so you do these things to just keep your you know, yeah, and get through one day, one day at a time, yes. as they as they say. So you know, I get these scenes of the two of them like listening to records and dancing, and they seem you know pretty pretty happy. But I think it it becomes clear even early on that both of them have like a troubled past. I think you see, I don't know if you noticed at least the first time around the when you saw it. Kill me please on his chest. <laughs> yeah, he's got like a, all these handmade tattoos, yeah. including this one that says "Kill me please" right across his chest, yeah. and then she's got a bunch of uh, cut, marks cut marks on her wrist that correct. you see when she's which is important. So it is that's important. It, it comes back later. Yeah. Um, they, they, they had this really weird, like codependent relationship to where like they were almost opposites, but you could tell like they had a great relationship. And what was weird is watching like their anger. Cause they each had a, anger in their own different ways. Right. Or, or an issue. Maybe it's not anger, but like, like unresolved grief, we'll call it. And correct. It, you know, anger, sadness, some sort yeah. of unresolved emotions they were both dealing with. And, yeah. and they did a very good job of showing that at the beginning. But what was cool is like, they never really like, to me, they never really fought with each other. They just like were angry or didn't understand but we're very understanding at the same time. Like they were, you know what I mean? But you could tell, like you could tell there was a strong bond at one time between them. And even early on, like the scene you talked about when he put the record on these dancing. Oh yeah. You could tell like she wasn't all, she wasn't as into it as he was. Yeah. You could just see there was like this mutual respect, but you could already see like it, it wasn't, it wasn't perfect. And and you wanted to know more because you're like, there's a reason that these two are, well, yeah, and we wind up learning that they've been together for four years, and Ruben's been sober for four years, and they kind of came together maybe at their lowest moments when yes. they needed when they needed each other. Well, um, and we get confirmation of that later from from her father. We do, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think there's this mention too um, that Ruben, when they're driving to a show, he doesn't know uh, who his father is. He thinks maybe like when he sees Jeff Goldblum on TV, he thinks that that. Like is what his yeah, dad looked like, around, which like, is actually kind of. I look like Jeff Goldblum. He does kind of look like Jeff Goldblum kind of, yeah, in a, a way. Bit, yeah, with those eyes, kinda he's like very the, unique. The buggy looking. eyes. Yeah. Um, the owl. Yeah, so I think you know one day they're setting up merch at a at a show, and Ruben starts experiencing this like sudden dramatic hearing loss, and then he starts the, trying to like. I loved how he, what he did when he first started feeling that was what you or I would have done. Like he's trying to pop his ears and then the sound they make it sound like is like when they're, you know, when your ear one. Yeah. He's doing like the jaw thing. Like, yeah. You're like, trying to like, what's going on? You know, very, very like real. Like oh yeah. Felt, like it gave me a little bit of a, like a mini panic attack watching him go through that first initial wave of yeah dealing with the hearing. You know? Yeah. That, um, that was spooky. But then like the next morning when he wakes up and he can't hear. Well, and then when he, when he, anything yeah and then like everything's like, muffled yeah and then when you go like the, the other thing that gave me super anxiety is shortly after that when he goes to the doctor yeah yeah so like the next morning he wakes up you can't hear any anything at all everything's muffled like the fear sets in and then you're like 
you're like in his head because they do the sound editing where it makes it sound like you're him losing his hearing and like yeah yeah and you see like the the look on his face the the panic setting in like what are you saying why can't like it's the end of the world because yeah dude he just overnight well, and imagine, no hearing almost imagine how oh my god horrible that like, would be oh like god, waking up blind one day and that happens or the worst um i'd rather be blind i think i don't yeah. ever want to lose my hearing like, so he i mean he goes to the pharmacy probably because he doesn't have health insurance right and then the pharmacy pharmacist rather calls an audiologist and uh he goes and meets with an audiologist has that hearing test and then the audiologist tells him you know that his hearing is rapidly deteriorating like protect what you have immediately and it's not yeah, don't cause the... any more damage. Right. Uh, in other words, stop playing music, which is what right. this guy does for a living, you know? Yeah, he's a drummer, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Maybe the, you know, the loud the percussion is maybe the loudest uh, piece in a band, you know? Yes. Um, and uh, I like that we never really get an answer to what causes hearing loss. Like, the doctor says it could be noise exposure or something like autoimmune-related. But it's sort of beside the point. But I like that they did that because it's not. That's it's, what I'm saying. It has zero to do with this story. Correct. How he became deaf. It's, Who cares? It's beside the point. Right. Um, and the doctor tells him, you know, you can get some cochlear implants that will bypass the cochlear, you know, and, and basically convince your brain that you're you're hearing. Um, but it's very expensive to do this. Forty to eighty thousand dollars, I think he said. Yeah. Yeah. And it bypasses you. It well it bypasses your your ear canal right and goes straight to your brain to where that's right yeah yeah i probably stated that wrong yeah Yeah. um yeah but it's gonna be super expensive right uh he's got doesn't have the money for it obviously so doesn't like hearing that uh but i think it gives him some hope that maybe you know he can well yeah because he he even tells lou like "Uh, we're gonna get this figured out we're gonna but then but then you can tell the, the panic is setting in and then you you think that like, she thinks that he's going to start using again. Yeah, yeah, like, um, they wind up at their next show, and he's having trouble keeping mm-hmm. rhythm. Because he did one more show after he met with the audiologist. Yeah, when he was told he should be protecting And he could barely hear anything, but he was just trying to keep up with her and do, like, because he's muscle memory. But you could yeah. tell by the looks on her face when she'd look back, like, you're a little bit out of sync, you know. But with the kind of performance they were doing, maybe it nobody wasn't. would really, yeah, nobody would really. So he, he storms off, right? Because he's having he's having trouble um, keeping the rhythm. He storms off, goes out in like an alleyway, and she she runs out of there, follows him out of there, and uh, he tells her, you know, like we can't hear. My hearing is, uh, you know, suddenly it's I've, I've lost it. And uh, but he kind of downplays it, you know. He's talk. I think he tells her about the cochlear implants, right? Mm-hmm. And then he wants to keep touring. Yeah, he's like, we'll fi- we're gonna figure this out. We'll figure it, you know. And then he's just panicking. Yeah, totally in panic, and she's like, at this point, she's like deer in headlights, because she sees the state of mind that he's in, and she, it scares the shit out of her, that he is, he's not in a good way, you know, at that at that point. And so she calls his sponsor, right, because he's, he's a recovering addict, calls his sponsor, um, his sponsor... Uh, Calls her back. Calls her back, and it's is found this, this recovery house, I guess, for the deaf. Yes. Um, so. Well, it's for, it's, it's, I, I think it's for, like, de- deaf addicts, correct? Is that kind of what it, or, or people that have yeah. completely gone, like. People that are both deaf and either troubled. drug or alcohol. Yes, yes. Uh, addicts. 
Um, and may have become that way because of their abuse, possibly. I don't yeah, know. yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Um, so they go out there. I get the impression that this place is like probably like in upstate New York or something. It's very rural. Well, she says we're in Missouri. It'll take us two days to get there. So I figured it's either towards New York or towards California, one of the two. Yeah. But you're right. It did look more... I don't know. Upstate-ish. In my head, it was like upstate New York for whatever reason. But um, they arrive at this recovery house for deaf people, and then we meet uh, Joe, who kind of runs the place, and he's he's a lip reader. Um, He's deaf as well. Yeah, he's, he's deaf. He's a lip reader, and come to find out that Joe became deaf in uh, Vietnam, right? Like a bomb exploded right by his head. Mm-hmm. And um, he didn't have a drinking problem at that time, but when he came back from Vietnam... Well, he, he lost his wife, his kid, and then he just... But he says he lost his right. wife and kid and everything because of the drinking, not because he lost his hearing. Yes, right? but the, he blamed it on the hearing, which that's... Because that was like what he was trying to impress upon, is like, you can't let this... Right. ...rule your life. Like, you're still... Worth right something you know or he was, that's what he was trying to trying to let him know yeah and he was also you know telling him that this recovery house was uh a place for people who um not only were deaf but were uh accepting of the fact that they were deaf they were they weren't people that saw deafness as a, a problem right they were they were unlike reuben they weren't trying to uh regain their they're hearing and that's interesting because a, another kind of side note to this is uh, a really dear friend of mine has uh, had an aunt who lost her hearing early in life like she was born with hearing lost it and then ended up getting the the cochlear ear, uh, implants mm-hmm. Co- cochlear is that right cochlear, cochlear ear yeah. implants correct and uh like he's told me at, at how like the like there's that's a no-no to like a lot of deaf people when deaf people get cochlear cochlear implants. Yeah. It's frowned upon. Yeah, it's like a um, faux pas or something. Like yeah. Or a, yeah. Like a betrayal or something. And it generally happens with people that were like it's 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 funny because people that were born deaf don't ever really want their hearing. Right. But the people that were born with hearing lost it. You want it back. And like, then you think about your own self. Like, what would you do? Like, that's the whole thing throughout this whole movie. And I've done it before. Excuse me on this subject. But it's like, what would you... What what would you do? Like, you can totally resonate with everyone involved, right? Because yeah. there's legitimacy in every side of the... Yeah, and he's got a big decision debate. to make at the end. I don't want to get too yep. far ahead of ourselves. Yep. But yeah, it, what would you do? Um, so, you know, besides telling Ruben that, uh, you know, all the people there accepted their deafness, he also tells Ruben that this is a place of solitude, which means... No outside contact, no phones, right? And Ruben's just not down with that. You know, he doesn't like that. Well, and and he's also, like, completely nervous energy all the time and always doing something, which he was that way before, but now he's, like, manic about it. It's amplified, yeah. Yeah, it's totally amplified, uh, pun intended. Yeah. And, uh... (laughs) And Joe know like Joe knows that, so Joe is trying to do everything to like calm him down and make him like Reuben is keeping himself busy. Like when he sees the thing in the house where he's at, he's trying to fix everything. He's just he's keeping moving and moving and moving well, because he doesn't want to face distraction is a thing in this movie. And we're gonna I want to yes. talk about A because he's an addict and B because of what's happening to him, right? So that um, guy is like trying to make him like, dude, you got, you have to slow down and get within your head and work through this because it ain't going away. No matter how busy yeah. you are. 
Yeah, he tells him the problem's not here, and he points at his ears. It's between, and then he points between his eyes. It's here, you know, it's between your eyes. It's it's what's in your head. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, at first, Reuben kind of re- rebukes the idea of you know checking into this mm-hmm. this place. He Which wants... again, you can identify with that. I would be the same way. I mean, there's a lot of shit happening to this dude in a short amount of time. This is all in like a week. Oh yeah. Four days. Yeah. You know. It's a pretty traumatic thing to to happen and to uh, you know get used to. Um, so Reuben, you know, wants to go back to touring. Uh, wants to to tour so he could earn money for his cochlear implants, get his surgery. Um, and we see him in the RV that next morning, and he's just destroying all of his music equipment, right? Yeah. And like a fit well, of he, rage. It's almost like he was working on something, like soldering something to try to help him. I don't know if it was something he was trying to help, like make him help better, or to where he could hear what's going on, and then but something made him mad. Yeah, maybe, maybe he, he was just get doing it. that to 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 again to distract. Yeah. And then he came back too, and was like, I don't know what it was. It looked like it was some sort of like a mini board or a recording. He just, just went off on it. Went off, like just it. It destroyed like it. Dishes and whatnot. Yeah, and uh, you know, lose there to witness that that and scares the you know the shit out of her. And uh, you know, she tells him like, please with him, really like, Ruben. You know, you need support. Yeah. And he's like, I don't need support. I need a gun in my mouth. You know. Right. Um. And but I like the real. I like, I like the real. Uh, the, the realism of that interaction because again, I can identify with him because, that's what I like. I'm one of those people where I go to the extreme. Worst place. Worst place all the time. So yeah. I'm just like, put a gun. You know that that whole. He he means that he doesn't mean that he's scared. He doesn't know. So like again, another. It's, it's coming from a place of fear. I mean. Yes, but I also like that she like it worried her, but she was like. I love the little play between them throughout the entire movie, no matter what situation it was. Same. Because there's just this, they're really they were best friends more than anything. They you were, know? yeah. And and and. I mean, it, they were they were definitely romantic, you right? Know, for but for a time, but they they were. It turned into more like they kept each other's shit straight. Exactly. And thought they couldn't survive without each other. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know. Um. So, you know, she tells him, Lou tells Ruben, um, you know, you're going to go back there. You're going to go back to that uh, recovery house, you know, for the deaf. You're going to check in, you know, and um, if he, you know, if he hurts himself, then she's going to hurt herself, right? That's, right. That, that's the bargain. Like, if he right. goes back to using, she's going to go back to, to cutting herself, but, right? But she was, she was cutting. She was still cutting. Well, yeah, because she had like fresh scars like, well, like, in the movie, or not fresh, fresh, but you could tell they were like. Well, you you find out later that they were fairly fresh, right? Because they were gone at one point right. in the movie, and we'll get into that later. But that so that that kind of sets you like. She was still scratching, maybe like yeah. There, there was a little like she still had a minor like every once in a while it looked like she you know she was pretty much on the straight and narrow yeah and and he he was all the way like she hadn't she quite hadn't, pulled herself out of it 100 percent yeah yes yes yeah i think that's a good read but he kept he kept his he he was forcing his routine to be her routine like the breakfast that's why i think they showed that twice it's the same damn thing yeah the shake he's making her they were trying to establish a pattern right of, of him that's what works for him but clearly it didn't work for her but he was still trying to get her into a routine because she wanted to sleep late or, yeah. you know, whatever that may be. Yeah. So well, she was, was still in a better place, you know, 
four years down the road with Ruben than she was when they met, right? Like she maybe wasn't correct, yeah. She hadn't completely pulled herself out of it like he did, but but she was close at right. least, right? Right. Um, and here he had pulled himself out, and she's worried that he's going to get thrown right back into it, right? Well, and start I think there's a little again. bit of, of her thinking that that would send her into a tailspin as well, which is I think why he kept check sneaking up on the computer at the home and checking on yeah what she was doing and you know keeping a track like oh yeah. okay she's still giving it a go without me yeah and she's she's doing it like she doesn't look so see that's the theme here is like a, like you said there's more of a this is more of a like people help you get out of certain situations and then so many people are codependent and afraid that they they have to have that other person yeah. when it's not healthy for either of them Right. Even though they don't want to admit it. Right. But once you figure your shit out, which, ironically enough, when they... Right. You know, you're like, oh, okay. And this is where I think they start showing that, where he's like... I think so. So they go their separate ways. They, they right? have to. She she's hops, in the home. She, she's like, you're going to go back to the, the recovery house. And, and she hops on a plane and goes back to Paris, where she's from, where her dad lives. Mm-hmm. And he drives back to the... Uh, recovery house and turns over his keys and his phone. His phone right. uh, goes to like the group therapy like talk thing that they were doing, and then um, in the in the early going, he's having a very hard time adjusting to life in this recovery house. I think that's pretty comes through pretty clear, right? And I I like when movies do the whole like show not tell. Like there's you don't need to explain it with exposition order. You just you know just it's pretty easy to follow to follow that you know. He was, but he was still what was cool though is. He still was uh, awestruck by the situation and the people that were there because he never, like, he never was an asshole to any of those people. Like, there was a few, no. like, you know, they were, like, trying to buck up or play, like, oh, you know, what, what at the beginning, like, the, the gentleman that Joe wanted to help when he first got there was kind of like, oh, damn, I don't want to, you know. Oh, yeah. So there's a little bit of that, but, like, he re- he pretty much respected everyone within a pretty oh, yeah. quick amount of time he once just he kinda saw how everybody acted. He just stuck to himself, though, like he, like, uh, yeah. in like the he very... In the very early, early going, and uh, so he sneaks up to, I think it was like Joe's office or whatever, yeah, it was, Joe's computer. It was, it was where that machine was when Joe would talk to him at the beginning, and he oh, would yeah. type it, Just and it would show Transcribe it, so the phone call, yeah. 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 Um, and uh, ends up getting on Joe's computer, reading an email from, from Lou. Um, I think Joe basically catches him, right? Like, that was my take, that Joe knew he was up to something, or he just well, if, he wasn't adjusting well. Yeah, I think Joe. I think I think Joe uh, figured it out, you yeah. know. But he wasn't doing anything super harmful. But he. But then he knew he's like, all right, I'm gonna have to continue to, because yep. there for a while it looked like, oh, he was doing all the right things, but he was still sneaking off and seeing what she was doing and, you know, checking on her and and then the whole. I don't know if you want to start chatting about about that. that yeah. Doing on the side as well. Well, I don't think we're there. Yeah, so, like, what I have happens next is that, uh, you know, after Joe, whether he catches him reading the email or, or whatever, he, he confronts Ruben, and he wants him to, you know, get up early in the morning, or he knows that Ruben gets up in the early morning. He wants Ruben to go up to this room by himself with a, a blank, you know, pad of paper and a cup of coffee and just and journal. A donut, 5 a.m. donut and coffee. 5 a.m. donut, and just yeah. just write and write and write about whatever he wants just to. Just get out whatever's inside yes. of his, his head. And uh, we see Ruben attempt that the first time, and he's just super angry. Um, you know, he's 
yelling. He smashes the donut. He pounds the table. He starts laughing like maniacally. Um, he can't write. And to me, it's because he just can't be alone with his own thoughts. He cannot be in that room with his own thoughts. Um, not comfortable in his own skin type of thing. And it just Well, especially now out. because of what's... So now he's facing the deafness. He's fighting off addiction and he's thinking about Lou, and he's also probably thinking about the shitty childhood that he had. You know? Yeah, yeah. There's just a lot he doesn't want to confront. Right. And again, I think that's another theme. But this of the event forces yes, this event forces him to yeah. deal with his shit. Yeah. So I think this movie is about avoidance or aversion, right? And we'll get through the plot, and we'll get through what I think, like surface level, what the plot is. But then what I think the movie is really about. Um, so, um, eventually, you know, he starts connecting with these kids at this nearby school for the deaf where, uh, members of the recovery house are volunteering, you know, he starts to lighten up a little bit. He learns sign language. He gets genuinely excited about learning sign language. Like it starts clicking for him. He gets excited about it. And then he's able to write, right? So you see him kind of filling up this journal with a bunch of, um, scribbling and, you know, he's he's engaging in conversation at the at dinner table he's making friends he's got the one friend who's a lesbian who wants him to draw a picture of a naked lady yeah i love that and where he's like when he's drawing her private area he's like she's like i want hair in you not too much though yeah like, you know and then she ends up getting that get that tattoo. tattooed on her shoulder i wonder yeah. if like he ga- actually gave her the tattoo not only did he drop it because it looked like his tattoos oh, were all homemade, were all, yeah. Were yeah. All homemade. So but i love that little relationship uh, so do I, and it introduces some humor, much needed yeah, at, humor at the, at the perfect time in this movie. Yeah, yeah. And the kids do a good. The kids at the at, at the deaf academy or whatever they and the teacher that's there. Like at first, I thought there was going to be like a romantic connection there with him and that teacher. With the teacher, yeah. Um, but they, I'm glad they didn't go that route because that's just the cheap Hollywood way. But those kids, to me, it was the kids that inspired him to realize like if these kids can carry on these normal lives. Yeah. Like. I'm embarrassing myself. I'm an adult in front of these kids. Exactly. And the one scene that I loved with the kid is when the kid, the one kid doesn't want to be in the class or he's upset or I don't exactly, I don't know what goes on. So he, Ruben takes him outside and they go on the slide and the, the, the deaf kid is laying at the top of the slide with his ear to it and he starts knocking back to Ruben and then Ruben, and then Ruben realizes he wants to hear that. So Ruben starts drumming. Not hear it, but like feel it feel, reverberate. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah, them yeah. hearing, right? I yeah. mean, they're... So he starts drumming at the bottom of the... Yeah. That scene was was Perfect. powerful. And I think that that is when Ruben, the light bulb went on, and Ruben was like, wait a minute. That's when he starts turning the corner. Yes. Yeah. No, that was a a key a key moment, yes. I think, in, in the movie. And, uh, and it was yeah, a way of him real... to, do, to do his drumming. His drumming. Yeah. 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 No, I think you're right. I think that's kind of like where he started turning the, the corner. And then, you know, one night... Him and Joe are out on the back porch, and Joe tells Ruben that uh, Ruben's become important um, to their community, and he offers uh, Ruben a permanent position working, you know, at either the recovery house or with the kids at that school, or both, or, both, or whatever. Both, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that just kind of scares Ruben, right? He's still not ready to accept. Well, it, he maybe. likes it, like it gives him some self worth, but then he thinks about it, and he's self destructive, so he's like, Yeah, wait a minute. Yeah, like he he he's starting to self sabotage, which add another addict thing to do Absolutely. very very if you know addicts which you do yeah or you have I well have. yeah well, we'll get into that yeah um, so like you they did a good job of showing a, of how like a recovering addict would would act you know i thought i thought yeah um 
I think so, so too. Um, so, um, you know, I think he's scared just because he, uh, he's not ready to accept that this is his life now, right? He's not willing to, to or ready to give into that uh, idea yet. So he goes online, goes back into Joe's office, gets on the computer, sees that Lou is performing in Paris, and I think that makes him really upset and really anxious, like she's back out there. I think, like you said, like part of him's happy for her. Well, and it's her, it's her with just like a mixing board, still doing the same stuff on like a carpet, but creating the abstract sounds by just a machine. She doesn't even need him. She doesn't really need him to do. Yeah, what maybe it feels like doing. he's been replaced and she's moved yeah. on, and yeah, yeah just uh, makes him anxious he's upset about it and so he goes out to his rv he's got like a secret key hidden in a secret compartment goes in and then you know he's playing his drums for a little bit but then that same friend who he uh drew the tattoo for you know she she comes strips every piece of equipment out of his out of his uh rv yep to sell and he tells the the lesbian chick that he's befriended he tells her that it's money to send to like you know she sees the picture of Lou in the band and then or I mean in the van RV yeah and she puts two and two together and then he he's telling her like I need you to sell all this like here this is all for her, for her yeah you think right um, yeah he That's doesn't he want says. he doesn't want to admit what he's really doing for it right. which is uh, using it to pay for his surgery Correct. right and he so she goes and sells all this stuff uh, for him and then he. Then he goes to sell his... Which had to at least minimally been $14,000 worth of stuff. Probably, because he gets, what, 26 grand? You did the math. I did do the math. Because I was figuring out, I'm like, wait a minute, is he only getting... Here's where my brain works. I'm like, they said 40 to 80. Is he only getting one implant on one side, or is that for everything? Like, did he find a deal? Like, how did he get to $80,000? But I think that's why they said 40 to 80. Yeah. So then I'm like, all right, well, the RV was 26,000. Must have got 14 for all those amps and all that. And the drums and whatever else he had in there, yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Um, so he sells the RV. I guess he sells it like on the condition that he can buy it back from the guy at a higher within price. Six within six weeks' time, at a he higher wants price, to buy it back right? at 10% more yeah. than he had to sign off in the deal. Because this, guy. I mean, for him, this you is like... Do you think that thing was worth $26,000? Dude, that was an Airstream. An original one, so that's why it got the money. That's what I, I don't know if it was original or not, but... Uh, so, you know, we camp, we have a camper. Well, brand new, they're like eighty or 90000 right? Like, if, yeah, I mean, you could spend... An, you know, I'm saying ridiculous for that amount of money. Yeah, you can go all the way up to half a million Probably, but yeah, I, I do believe that was probably worth A fair, okay, yeah. yeah. It was yeah. cool as hell, man. It was a big it one, It was too. cool, and it was like his prized possession, yeah. you know, and he had to sell, sell it, but his plan was, this is just like a, a short-term fix until I could get back on the road, get my surgery, get my hearing back, go back on the road, earn enough money to buy it back, right? Yeah. It was just yeah. pure... Or he was going to get the money from Lou's dad. Yes. That was his original that, plan. That's yeah. right, yeah, he was going to get... Cause cause he's like, her dad was, was yeah. uh, rich. He's like a chef or something. It appears to be. I don't know. The way um, he was preparing yeah. all that food. But he then he music. He was like a. I don't French know what type he of did. I just know that he had. He had a lot of money. He had a lot of money. So yeah, the the plan was to get that RV back. But that act of desperation and selling the RV, I think that's like the behavior of an addict. He wasn't selling it to get drugs. It was, was a reverse addict. Um, he was addicted to getting his normal life back, like in his girlfriend, everything that he feels like he's yeah. losing that gives him purpose. But it was purpose. still a compulsive thing. 100, well, yeah. again, yeah. addict yeah. compulsion. Um, so, um, sells the RV, goes and gets the surgery, which we see see in gory detail, like from the inside of his ear. I was not ready for, for that. Yeah. Uh, pretty gross. Uh, well, and they just like hit you with it. 
Like, yeah. He said the thing, and the next thing you know, you see it. Look, at first I'm like, what? Yeah. What are we looking at? I mean, you then you knew because he. Yeah, they, yeah, they just they zoom in and then yeah, like, they, yeah, and it's kind of blurry and you're yeah. like, oh, that's that's easy. It was almost shocking because it yeah. comes at you so yeah. fast. Um, you know, the doctor tells him while he's recovering that it takes four weeks to act. It's going to be four weeks before they can activate it, before they can turn the cochlear implant on. And um, so he leaves the hospital, goes back to the recovery house, and now he's got to tell Joe what he's done. He's got the uh, he's gotten the surgery. And he'd written Joe a note, and Joe had found it. And um, when he's when he's talking to Joe, you know, Joe says like, "You look and sound like an addict. The way that you're behaving right now, you sound like an addict." And you know, also implies that uh, you know, Ruben has lost Joe's trust, and he can't can't be in the recovery house. Anymore. Well, in the community. It's like that they they look down that deaf community look right. down upon the whole like cochlear thing. So yeah, that's a when you do that, he can't Joe can't continue to support having Ruben around. Yeah, because of what he's done, because he knows what all the other ones are gonna are gonna think. Like he's become one of them, and then he's like, no, I still I'm I'm you know. So it's just this whole bad. Yeah, it's Joe, bad all around. Yeah, and Joe's bad all like, around. Can Joe can't out, have man. somebody there with the cochlear implants. Uh, the way that Ruben's acting is upsetting and he looks like an addict and he's lost Joe's trust. And so for all those reasons, he got to go, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think there's a line here from Joe to Ruben and he says, uh, he talks about these moments of stillness uh, being like the kingdom of God, uh, the place that will never abandon you, you know? And to me, like that stillness is just like being comfortable in your own skin. And he's he's telling Ruben, like, you can get there. You can get that you can achieve that peace of mind and get there, you, but you, you were have, close. You were you close were already. Close. And you 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 relapsed into your normal life. You relapsed into wanting to be normal again, which yeah, they trick you so bad in this to where you like yeah. You then you start feeling for the the deaf community like, dude, you were marking your life here. You're never gonna get your hearing back. Anyway, she's off doing her own thing. Like yep. What a great redemption story you thought. So you thought. Yep. Um. So he leaves. I go. He gets and he goes and posts up in a like a, a crappy motel while he has to wait his uh, four weeks for activation of his implant. And then you see him. He just sits him. there and smokes Marlboro Reds for like a month. <laughs> yeah. And I think that smoking for him is um, a sign, right? That he's not, he's in a bad headspace. No, that's where he goes. He, he chain smokes when he's about ready to make a bad choice. Like When you see him chain, yeah. you see him smoke quite a bit in this movie. When yeah. you know at the beginning of the movie, he's turned into this health freak. So yeah. I, I think that's like a sign. Yeah. That he's in a... Well, he quickly, like, right after this happened, dude, he went and was just, like, chain-smoking from then on out. Yeah. And then at the house... had to, like, admit it to Lou, like, I had a cigarette... No, his his sponsor. I had a cigarette. Yeah. Because it was so unlike him in his sober state... Right, right. ...to to do that. Right. Um, But then he kept the habit up even at the house. Even when he was doing well, he'd still sneak out and have a smoke here or there, you know? Yeah, that's right. It clearly wasn't all... And I thought that was a sign to show us that he's... Even though he's doing well, something's going to... He's going to sabotage himself because... The behavior was still the sneaking up yeah. and the, you know, cigarettes and whatnot. Absolutely. Um, so he goes to the doctor, audiologist, gets his cochlear implant activated and, and you know, something just got awful at first and she's fine tuning it, the audiologist. And, you know, it's still, 
even when she gets it as good as it's going to get, it's still like a really staticky and tinny. It's like you're trying to pick up a, a, a shortwave radio. Yeah, real pitchy. Right? Short, and real... Wave, sorry, is it, what is it, the, the, like the ham radios? Is that, that's shortwave, right? Uh, you're the radio guy. You tell it's me. horrible that I don't know that. Like <laughs> ham radios or whatever. But yeah, you're, it's like you're trying to tune in an AM station that you can get like 75% of the way, but every once in a while you'll hear something else kind of come in and... Yeah, it's real distorted and like yeah. pitchy and yeah, like squelchy. Yeah, like a and... walkie-talkie. Type, yeah, you know, or like CB radio or yes, whatever. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, with poor, with poor signal. <laughs> yeah, and like still somewhat muted. Like every fifth word, will, mm-hmm. like you won't be able to hear or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I think it's definitely different than what he thought it was gonna be like. He thought like it was like flipping a switch and he was gonna be back to hearing like he did before. And it's, it's not that. Like it's like the doctor at the beginning said it's like his brain's being tricked into thinking that it, he's hearing right. through his ears, and it's, it's almost like robotic or something like you know well it reminded me of like you know in movies when like they make alien contact or they're recording things and then all of a sudden like a recording hits the blip and you hear like what was that that's what that sound reminded me of (laughs) (laughs) like like a blip you know we heard listen to this 15 seconds we got from mars and it's like yeah Yeah. you hear it and you're just like that's what that yeah that's what that sound reminded me of what was that movie with jodie foster uh, contact contact yes that's exactly i was thinking arrival some like math equation buried in the in the sound (laughs) Um, yeah, so, you know, doctor says, look, you know, you'll get used to it or, you know, you'll need to get used to it. And so he, he scrounges up the money somehow to fly to Paris to surprise Lou, you know, to show her that he's got the cochlear implant. Well, he really went there to get money. Also to borrow money from Yeah, that was the real, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think he was trying to like win her back or get her back. And also like tell the dad, like, give me, I don't want, I want to be a surprise, but give me some, can I have some money to get this? RV back so we can get on with our lives. You know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So like dual purpose. <laughs> um, yeah. So you know, shows up at her dad's house and Lou's not there. Her dad answers the door and you know they wind up talking. Um, you know, her dad lets lets him in and they wind up talking and we learned some things here about Reuben and Lou, right? We learned that Reuben moved around a lot when he was a kid. His mom was like a military nurse, and that Lou's mom killed herself, right? And that was the kind of the the trauma well divorced divorced took lou with her and then kind of ruined the relationship with the dad and then she killed herself right yeah that's my understanding yeah Yeah. um that's what which brought lou back to him which was a strange i remember he kind of made some notion the dad was like you know it our divorce killed lou and like her death brought her back to me or something like that there was something yeah something along those lines i don't remember how it was phrased exactly but yeah you're right um and, um, you know, what we learned was, I guess what we suspected was that Reuben helped Lou out. Like when, so Lou was in a bad way and she was a cutter. She was cutting herself. And then that's when they, sh- well, yeah, I mean, here, surely you see she. Yeah, she's do- she winds yeah. up, you know, in a be- doing better. But um, so, and the dad tells Reuben that he appreciates, well. He thanked him. He, he said, thanked, I, I he didn't like him, you at first. But you took care of her. Or but you, you helped now her out. I see what you've done for her and I want to thank you for that and yep. he wants to re- prepare him a meal yep and then Lou Lou comes back you know and you know he sees her for the first time and she looks really cleaned up and yeah her eyebrows are normal color her hair is dark again it's it's cut she looks real real put together yeah vibrant and alive and not so spacey looking just yeah yeah she's got she's clean and got herself put together and all this all this is, has happened without him Correct, and I think he notices that he's she starting ha- to see this. 
he's starting to see this in in she notices that or he notices that she hasn't been scratching either right which is yeah that's why they show yeah when they um, show it again there's nothing there's no scratches now right so that again key moment when he realizes uh-oh like she's maybe, in a, she's, maybe. she's better off without me in <laughs> yeah moved on you know moved on she's um different person different place or whatever so uh you know Lou's dad is having this big fancy party at his house that night and uh you know uh he sticks around for the party I mean he's invited to stick around and um and uh Ruben's having a really hard time with all the ambient noise at the party like all the guests talking and, and with his cochlear implants like just driving him nuts mm-hmm. basically like he's walking around this party hearing yeah all it's this. like constant squelch you know. Yeah, and like distorted conversations and just bothersome noise, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then, uh, you know, one point during the party, Lou performs a song uh, with her dad in French, something that he'd written for her her mom. I think he's playing piano and she's singing. Yeah, well, I think it was something that she used to sing. It was her favorite song when she was a little girl. Lou's song, He used to. she used to sing it with him. That's right. And that was her, that was their kind of thing when they were when she was a little girl right back before the broken home happened um and we see reuben just kind of transfixed by her performance he'd never seen like this side of her right uh not singing this like avant-garde like metal punk stuff right just like almost like classical music yeah very classical yeah Yeah. but he's still experiencing it through all the heavy distortion of this these cochlear implants that are just um yeah so that night in bed, you know, he tells Lou he wants to get back on the road and tour on their album, kind of finish what they started. And uh, I think it's clear that she's in a different place, right? Yeah, she doesn't, like, this is where you find out, like, she doesn't say it to him. He knows it. She knows it. They still, like, I mean, they, like, love each other as human beings, but it's it's obvious after this kind of party and then into the next day that, like and the way they do that, the way they handle this whole thing was very cool too, because it's real life. Like, very civil, very cordial. They love each other. Yeah. But they both kind of realize, like, like they they don't really have a talk, but they know just because, like, like they both realize, like, look, it's we'll like... always love each other, but we are in different places in our life. I have cleaned up. It turns out I can do this on my own. You can do this on your own. Like, we just gotta this isn't said it's just implied but we just got to go our separate ways right like it's it's where it's at now like because they no, neither one of them want to say it they just have an embrace say that they love each other and then you kind of know that that's it and then he gets his shit and packs it up and yeah he's gone before the morning right yeah, yeah like uh they know each other so well that they almost don't have to talk Correct. about it like he recognizes immediately that she's in this different place and she realizes that he realizes and then he tells her and like she's worried that he's going to get upset and he tells her i mean he is upset but he tells her you know it's no, he's like i get it it's okay yeah. that it's over you yeah. know and um he said you know cuz cuz she saved his life and made it beautiful and uh and then and she says no the she same says thing. that to him or yeah, they say that he, to each other yeah, but they a, saved each other yes and but but now um, they know like well she already knows the path that she's on but this is the this is the third big moment to me in the movie where there's a turning point. The where, next morning. Yeah, where yeah. he's like, yeah. So wait that, a minute, she's right. Like I, I can do this. Yeah. Um. 
so the next morning he gets up and uh you know takes a long last look at her as he he leaves he's walking through she's still sleeping she's still sleeping um he walks through Paris and he's dealing with all the distortion and awful sounds kind of coming through his cochlear implants and uh, the movie ends with him well then the bell the bell tolls the bell which tolls I was and, symbolic and right after the bell tolls oh he sits he sits down watching those kids play watching those kids play on the skateboard teaching each other skateboard tricks and all this there's all this beauty around, around him. him but the bells messing with them the kids screaming just the, the interference yeah all this noise yeah all this noise and uh so he sits down he looks around and he takes out his cochlear implants and he just sits in the stillness uh, or like what joe called you know the kingdom of god the stillness that is the kingdom of god comfortable in his skin for maybe the first time and he looks up and finally seems at peace and then it boom that's fades, it. fades to black yeah and it was um, crazy because like that to me and i, I think that you'll agree because we it's funny how we tend to kind of see the same the same things see, in, see in, movies the same way yeah a lot of, pick a lot up of, the like, same thing I, I find that we like the, we read the things the that way. I think are gonna be you're gonna be like oh yeah I mean we do that but like for the most part you're like we can, oh yeah what, hey, you, you thought that too and like so yeah. like when he did that at first well, and I don't know about you but I have to digest things like for a couple days yeah what after. was your immediate reaction to the ending because it it's not disappointing uh, disappointing My immediate because you, reaction because you thought she, uh, they were going to get back together or no, because I just, it felt unfinished or the, what? The bluntness of the ending for me yeah, uh, th- kind of caught me off guard. And I don't want to use the word disappointing. I think I was just surprised Yeah, because there's this slow buildup. But then after I think about it a while, you know, I start thinking about everything in it. I'm like, all right, well, wait a minute. This It wasn't a slow buildup. It was because we were seeing the majority of the movie through a person who has lost his hearing. So there's where the slowness was created. Yeah, and it wasn't ever about what they were gonna do or what he ended up doing. This was a, a this was to me was a look on uh, a spiritual look at two human beings that were adults, didn't realize they were adults, made adult decisions, life changing decisions, became comfortable with who they were, loved each other, supported each other, and that was enough. Were were big enough to love each other beyond the, the knowing that they don't need to be together anymore, right? Like they came to terms with it. Yeah, but then. That ending, the more I thought about it, too, is, like, because you look at our society now. I mean, everything's so hyper. I'm like, I think that this whole movie, too, was, like, a, uh, what's the word I'm looking Not existential, but what's, uh, come on, you're better with words. A uh, subliminal message. Did I even say that right? Subliminal. Subliminal. Subliminal message of. Or, like, an allegory. Yeah, where, dude, like, social media, news, all that crap. When he Dude. takes his when he takes his cochlear ear implants off and it goes to dead silence and you still see all the beauty, it's like that's a look at like what we all need to do to this garbage society. Like, so take your ears off, shut the TV off. You're reading my mind because <laughs> I was going to talk about this later, but I'll just jump oh to it. Oh my god, now. I'm to so pig- sorry. No, 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 no. Like piggybacking went right off of what you're saying. Um, like I have in my notes, like you know, between smartphones and social media and streaming services, like we, it feels like information is coming at us just so fast like yeah. we're in this attention yeah. economy um and so like just having the ability to exert autonomy over your own attention i think will give you a better life experience and that's what he learns at the end is like he can tune out all this noise and and, and have a fulfilling existence. have a fulfilling he's existence fulfilling he's fulfilled he's at peace um and you know you know I, do you like connor oberst at all yeah, it's uh, Bright Eyes, and, and uh, yeah. uh, what's the other, 
Well, he was with Phoebe Bridgers. That was a fantastic album. I always yeah. forget the name of the album, but yeah, yeah of course. Uh, yes. Oh, Better uh, Oblivion Community Center is yes. the name of the band. Yes. Um, Which, uh, speaking of Phoebe Bridgers, real quickly. Uh, Paul, hey, you can Paul, talk about Phoebe Bridgers uh, all you yes, want. Yes, yes, yes. You know? She also did a, I sent you that Dave Gone of Depeche Mode doing Nothing Else Matters. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to that. I did. I did like that. Okay. Even though I'm not a Metallica fan. Right, I did but like you, his once you heard it, did you understand like it's not, yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. she did that song as well, and I will, you need to hear that. Is it good? It's very, it's very somber. You know, it's very Phoebe yeah. Bridgers. I mean, that's the one lady I would leave my wife for. I know, for, that's what you, yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> we'll have to do a Phoebe Bridgers episode uh, yeah, one sure. time if I could uh, contain myself. We're going to have to make sure it's cold outside for you. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So Connor Oberst, uh, he's got this song called Barbary Coast, and it's about exactly what we're talking about now, just like how fast the world is coming at us now and coming at our kids right now. And uh, he's got this line, um, my eyes are red and raw because the modern world is a sight to see it's a stimulant it's pornography it takes all my will not to turn it off and that's what modern life feels like to me just information you're just constantly inundated with information stimulation like your phone going off a million times with different notifications like i don't know um, and, and well and what's crazy is this dude flipped the script any i i'd love to interview this the gentleman that wrote this to see if we're correct in our assumption here but he did the reverse so like he showed basically like the how much dependence we have on everything that's technological and the panic that sets in when we don't have it when you don't have it and you have to like unlearn and unprogram and now the struggle was to get back to the type of world that was so much better like I would yeah. give up. Look, dude, nourishing. I, I would give up rich as an yes, life. as a as a as an almost forty. Well, as my almost not almost forty three year old man here. I would if if you told me tomorrow you're gonna wake up, and the internet is gonna be gone, smartphones are gonna be gone. I'd say, social media, great. Yeah. Great, because the happiest times of my life were like I just want to go back. Predate all that shit. Dude, the furthest we needed to go was pagers. That's the furthest we needed. What about a Motorola StarTech flip phone? No, dude, I want <laughs> pay phones and pagers back, bro. <laughs> like, that's yeah. that's where, like, life was like, man, my, like, my mind was blown. Like, I got, like, my friends page me, and then I call them back. Like, that's, the, my brain could have just stopped there. So we, uh, we did this, this camping trip to southwest South Dakota, did the whole, like, Mount Rushmore mm-hmm, thing, mm-hmm. and, uh, Badlands National Park thing, and, and, uh, that week, we're staying in what's called Palmer Gulch, at, like, the, in the foothills of the, uh, Black Hills, no radio Dead signal zone. so no cell signal and then uh you know we had a, a tv but uh no wi-fi obviously and then we had a dvd player but come to find out my daughter sounds like a good time well my daughter <laughs> broke the the tv it was like spider web and wouldn't even turn on so like we had a week of no no cell phone no wi-fi no tv no it was fantastic yeah. it was fan the kids played until 10 o'clock every night and then just went to bed tired you saw our childhoods right in front of you again yeah and it made me sad that they don't they don't have that and um i think this movie is about having that solitude and stillness and it's also about having that solitude and stillness as a way to heal and i think that was like what joe proposed for ruben that what that this is the medicine that you you well, need. he's reminding, like he, Joe's the Joe's the figure reminding us. And you could you could be a godlike figure if you want to look at it that way. However, it's very abstract. But reminding us that, like, like that's why I kept saying he's like, dude, you can get, 
you can get back to where you need to be by just like stopping let, slowing shit down mm-hmm. learning to love yourself yeah. instead of all these distractions yeah love yourself being with your present moment experience yes uh, being with community and the know, ending though like engaging. the more I think about the ending it's like it was very peaceful like I would love to just do that I would love to just be able to turn my hearing on and off so did you, you going know? back to that decision that he made there at the end like I that movie I was like that's what I would do I think I would do what he did. I think I would. Yes, because I would pull once it out. I found out that the cochlear implants, like, because like the only reason that I would that I really care about my hearing is to listen to music. It's the only thing I care about my hearing. I don't like. Yeah. If there was no music in the world, like I'd just take my hearing. I don't really care. I don't. I don't care. Because I because you can communicate sign language, right? So like that's the thing for me is like I've always said like if I had to, you know, this will shock you, but. You know, you always have the stupid games with your friends. Like, if if you had to be born with one disability, what would it be? And I, I would pick mute. <laughs> yeah. You'd and be. that's shocking, right? <laughs> yeah. But I would pick mute because I can learn sign language. Yeah. I can still see you and see your face and your smile and enjoy the beauty could, of everything, and I can still listen to you, music. I don't need to you talk. learn to do sign language fast enough to do a, a Bob rant, like the Bob rants that we you get out of your mouth You would think that I today. would. I would hope so, man. I'd have to say. Yeah, I Except think, for when I, I got so. old. Like, then I would be Reuben when, like, my arthritis set in, and I'm just in an old person's home. Like, <laughs> yeah. So then I'm just doing this the whole time, right? Just yeah. middle finger. Like, that's, that's it. <laughs> Did you think, like, at the end, so I, like – when movies subvert expectations, we've talked mm-hmm. about this, right? Like, the Hollywood trope would be that they get back together, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, I like that they didn't. They they no, found each real other. Life, dude. Real life, they found each other at the right time when they were at their lowest and they needed each other. And um, they both got themselves to a better place. Uh, and that was it. And that was all, and that was still a beautiful thing and all it ever needed to be, right? And see, but that's what's great about this movie is to just like, a casual moviegoer, they can enjoy this because it's kind of, I'll use the word edgy in a weird way, like, you yeah. know what I mean? But then for other people that, like, you know, I don't want to, now you sound, I don't want to sound, I'm not some smart person, you know? I, but, like, we like to go, we like to, to overanalyze shit, right? To, to, till we, you find something else because that's just the kind of people we are. So, I do, but even, like, I don't think this movie requires a ton of analysis, I would just much rather watch a movie like this than a Marvel movie. Now, I there's no, a place no, yeah, in my heart for Marvel movies. Though, I like Marvel, yeah, like, but I'd rather watch is, a right? human interest story Cor- correct. like this. It's just like Pig. Or, or Pig, Like, what yeah. makes that movie great is it, it has its problems, but the human is... I, I'm the same way, but what I'm saying is... I, I should have worded it a different way, because I'm not saying, oh, some not every dummy is going to think the way we think. But I'm saying if you don't want to think that way, if you don't think that way, if your brain isn't overreactive and loves to analyze and look... It's still a, a really cool movie because he kept it he kept it surface to where you can take it for what it really is or you can or do, do what we're dive. doing and look at try to look at everything. Yeah, you can thing. look at it like it's an unconventional love story. I yes. mean, yes. basically. Yes. Um, no, I lo- I love I like the, the ambiguity at the end too because like it just it fades to black there after he's taken the implants out and you're like you could you don't know what he, you just know that he's in a good place, right? That yeah. he's 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 made peace and he's ready to move forward and Maybe he well, goes. He, maybe it goes back and works for Joe at that house. Yeah. Maybe he does something different. It doesn't but it doesn't, matter though. It he's doesn't found matter. his peace. Beside so like the he, point. He he's made the conscious decision from this point forward. This is what. This is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to live my life. Yeah. Right, wrong, or indifferent. I've made my decision. I've come to empower myself. 
I love myself. I love Lou, even though we can't be together. Like even he knows, like we 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 can't be together because we're different people now, right? Yeah. Like our experience, but like that relationship led to all of this. So like you'll never, there's always going to be that bond, but like yeah. they're just different folks now, right? Yeah, and there's um, you don't have to be sad about that. The fact that it's ending, it, you just be happy that it it happened and you I saved like, each other. I like that. I like that. They do that a lot in movies, but I like that self that 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 selflessness aspect of a storyline to where somebody has to give something up for the other person's happy, for their happiness, for whatever it may be. Yeah. Because that's real. That's what we do in very small phases throughout our whole life with people, Sacrifice. whether it be children or friends or whatever. You yeah. know, and then it makes you think of those. Like, look, we all have those like old girlfriends or friends that like I still have love in my heart for them. Sure. Because, for from that period of time yeah like, at that time that's who you needed or yeah but that, that yeah and i like so like that helped me step up and end up where i'm at so like yeah. i may have not talking to that person for 25 years but like if i saw him i'd just be it'd be like you still have that love like, yeah no you know, i understand but it's a good it's a good love not a lust or a yeah you know you're, as an adult and you look back on those, yeah, those nobody's few people nobody's accusing there. you for having eyes for ex-girlfriends or anything like, right well but it's I not even eyes because like what's weird is like it's it's not even girlfriends or whoever may be friends but like there are certain people that i spent a very small amount of time with in my life but like a concentrated amount of time are like, so impactful to, yeah. to who i am yeah the way that i think the way that i love the way that i see the world yeah and i may have only spent six or eight months with those people yeah you know but it Quality, it's like that's why quantity. when you see that because it's like I had to have that to do this. You yeah, know? Sorry, that's no, what got sorry. me there. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's do a, a, like a little bit <clears throat> deeper dive in terms of like what I think this is about, and we talked, we've kind of talked about this a little mm-hmm. bit, but like to me, it's about aversion, you know, avoidance, and then stillness. So, you know, we are evolutionarily designed to seek pleasure and avoid pain, and I think that includes mental, emotional pain and so Lou's got this line at the end which I think is is really telling or or like a kind of like Joe's line about uh stillness being the the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God or whatever um it's delivered kind of subtly but when they're in bed there at the end she says it's so disconcerting the things your memory holds on to without you knowing and Mm -hmm. to me that's like like this idea that we subconsciously protect ourselves from from ourselves from ourselves (laughs) from psychic injuries right we put up these like psychological walls. Uh, there's this psych- psychic gating uh, process that I, th- I think happens like in the thalamus. Like if you can you can locate it in the brain, like the the part of the brain that protects ourselves from um, the result of, the results of trauma when bad when bad shit happens. And um, you know, Ruben clearly has like this psychic wound that won't heal. These kind of emotional scars that he hasn't outgrown. Um, and so, but they don't really get into what specifically R- Ruben's trauma was. You know, he didn't know his dad. You know, he moved on around. But you a don't lot. need that. It's it's totally besides the point. Which is, I love that about this well, movie. Well, this whole movie, yeah. There's a lot of things that you don't. Doesn't it doesn't matter? It right. doesn't matter like what, why he is that way. The only thing that matters is that that trauma is not done with him yet. And so, like this movie is about like how do you move past the defining traumas in your life, you know, the ones that you've never successfully grieved. And I think what this movie is telling us is that, you know, you got to stop running from it and you got to confront 
um, that that dark shit with some serious introspection, right? That's that like that's why Reuben needed to get still and have the solitude and 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 turn inward, right? He needed those those moments of stillness, like Joe said, you know, and uh, not to sound super pretentious here, but but Marcel Proust, you know, like he said, uh, um, we're only healed from suffering when we experience it to the fullest. And so like he had to confront all that darkness in his life that led him down this path of addiction. And, and that required this time with himself in solitude, in, in quietude. And I think that this movie does something di- very difficult to do in a movie in that it, it dramatizes stillness and quietude. It's like, how do you dramatize stillness and quietude? And I've never seen another movie that's successfully done that in the way that this uh this movie does it and i think it also goes back to something you said that like all the things that we do to distract ourselves like today you know netflix streams and facebook and all the the bullshit that we're doing like constantly distract ourselves like it's like what are we trying to avoid there i think we go to great lengths to escape psychological pain well that and i think we 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 really, as a, especially as Americans, uh, humans in general, but Americans especially, is look like we all know where where we're going. We're all gonna die, right? Like that, that we're all gonna fall off that cliff and die. But like we spend our whole lives trying to pretend that we're not and do things to keep us distracted until it's boom, you can't go anymore, and you're like, shit, I'm old. I'm gonna die soon. Yep. You know, so there's like but, this default operating system in the background that is running. Yeah. That tells us we we have like a, a million less than a million breaths before, you know, it's oblivion right. for us. Right. But somehow we keep it running in the background and we tune it out. Right. And we well, tune, you have to, we, or else we just all be depressed monsters. And, and the way that we do that is with distractions of yeah. all sorts, you know. And in this country, like, we are willing to give ourselves over to an untold <laughs> number of of things not just like drugs or or alcohol but like just dude just look at us right now i mean we're it's ugly yeah like it's just sad but then again a lot of it i think is false bullshit because of social media and mainstream news media and like like to this like that's what i love about the ending of this like think you and i've talked about this a lot we talk about other things and and argue and we have disagreements and and but like philosophical and like crazy whatever like it's just good to get it out and talk and like yeah what's crazy is not getting political because that's what i'm trying to do here but but what has happened is like social media and all of this stuff and and the 24-hour cable news you know i think that kind of started it all like if we were all to turn that bullshit off it would like life would be the way that like we would all pretty much get along right because the media and social media and these minorities like trying to get uh, Dave Chappelle canceled because some transgender like lady yeah, does, like, you know it's like what it has done in terms of amping up the tribalism and, yes, and that, just yes, ruining the yes. political discourse yes. um, yeah I mean yeah and and it's sad because like like look like just in the last couple of years like look at the relationships around you and and which ones have persevered which ones haven't you know, like everybody has kind of thrown, shown their true colors, and it's refreshing when you can still find people nowadays, like the uh, two of us. I always use our friendship as a perfect example because we, we probably have, we agree on fifty percent of political, no political things. Okay. Like, you know, but but like 
the basic root of our morals and what we like and everything. Worldview. World, yeah, like it's pretty much like the same at the like core of it, but like coming at it from different places. Correct. Yeah. But then through friendships, you learn, and then when you learn, like, because you think, okay, well, this person thinks this because of this, because of what mainstream media. That's the kind of people that think this. And then when you talk to somebody, and you're like, well, no, that it's not real. He's coming from a whole different thing. Like, I may not agree with it, yeah, but it's not what I thought. And like, that's rare to where nowadays it's like, shit, you got people. Well, yeah, you know. I I don't agree with the they they like the color blue and I hate blue so I'm I'm never talking to them again because they don't like blue or like I love the Beatles and they hate the Beatles I'm done with them it's like that's how petty we've become like with other subjects that I'm not going to throw out there because I don't want to make it political but you know what I'm saying I know exactly and it's like it's what God you're damn guys like the very thing that was beautiful about the differences in this country and the individuality that made us unite. Now everybody wants to go rush into a group and they're pissed off about something and, you know, so like the end of this movie was so great because I want to do that, like, I just want to like go outside and just do like, you know, not physically what he did, but just shut it, just pause it all. Yeah. Well, one, one day, like, God. one day I'm going on a 10 day meditation retreat, <laughs> right? Where I don't talk to anybody. Oh, dude, I don't have my phone, like not yeah. doing it now with a nine-year-old and a five-year-old no you gotta but, do it like when you really hit like like but that's my I, high that's school. my idea I, of a good time is like weird as that sounds then my ultimate vacation would be going to montana wyoming utah colorado somewhere yeah by myself in a cabin for 10 days and i'm i don't want to even hear another person's voice i don't want to talk to anyone i want to take my food up there i want to have my music whatever and i just yeah. want just that would be an ideal and it's nothing Some against Henry my David Thoreau shit. Just, just lay there and be with yourself and nature and like. Yeah. Well, and that's. I mean, that's you know? what this movie is saying is the solution to kind of what ails your soul, right? That's, right. that's, what it's telegraphing, and you know, I think it's it's saying what we should really be doing is turning inward, you know, and. Um, yeah, I don't want to turn this like in a religious discussion or whatever, but like that's what the oldest, you know, Eastern monotheistic religions say you know whether it's like the Atman Brahman and like Hinduism or like the Buddha within for Buddhism or you know even um you know that national song Rylan you know there's that, yeah. that line there's a little bit of I heaven in all of us there's a little bit of heaven in all of that, that. You know, one of my favorite that means turn inward to find yes. God turn yes. inward to find God to find your peace well to, to anything like right like you got to look inward way more than most people do and be aware of your faults your strengths who you are, your tendencies, like become so self-aware. Know thyself. But people don't want to do that because people don't like the truth. People don't like facing the ugliness of themselves because we're all horribly ugly people in some regards, yeah. right? But we're also horribly, horribly beautiful. That's well, that's an oxymoron. A beautiful, ugly, spiritual, not whatever it may be. Like there's all these moving parts that make us. And you have to know, like you have to know who you are to to be comfortable with yourself and know, like, I can tell you, like, I can have a discussion with you, me, like, this is, yeah. these are my faults, these are my strengths, this is what, I do this, whatever it may be, but nobody wants to, no. and, and so then I mean, what happens is you don't, you don't have those tough discussions that we need to be having with each other as religions, races, men, women, like, whatever, instead we just go create these echo chambers and scream off of mountains and be, want to be offended by all this stuff, yep. when that's not what life's about. No. No. That's all created bullshit. Like, no, I, I mean, it's, like... I couldn't agree with you more. Like, and it's, um, yeah, I mean, I'll just get off social media for, for a minute and just say, like, there's all sorts of things that <laughs> we will just go out and, and distract ourselves with. It could be 
food it could be material bullshit it could be like fake fame well I guess that's like social media or trying trying to get the attention arrow pointed back to you you know what I mean like all these well thinking everybody wants to think their opinion it means something yeah which it doesn't we're all specks of sand you know um yeah yeah so um Oh, you know, the other thing I kind of think this movie's about is just accepting what's not in our control and, you know, ch- change. And I think it's like a... But back to the death thing. Oh, see, so yeah. we try, we think we can control everything. And that's right. why he panicked and all that stuff. And it's like, we control nothing. Right. Like, at the end of the day. I mean, yeah. a little minor, you know, what we're going to eat or... Well, you so know, this movie is like a... Like a it's like a uh, meditation on the serenity prayer. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know the serenity prayer mm-hmm. from, like, you know, AA? Is that from the Bible, I guess, yeah. but from AA? But, yeah. Um, all right, so do you want to talk about addiction in the context of this movie? Yeah, I think, I think like, they don't, you know, I mean, we touched upon a lot of the addiction uh, points, um, and I think that anybody out there that knows an addict can can identify with with a lot of the behavior in this movie. I thought they nailed that perfectly. But the other thing I like too is like they didn't like they didn't dwell on any one thing for too long, but just the time they spent with enough of it put that whole piece together to where like you said what was unsaid was very powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um but I like that. They didn't make this about a relationship. They didn't make this about addiction. They didn't make this about being deaf. They didn't make this about like at the end of it it's it's what we were talking about. It's finding that inner serenity and inner peace and yeah. being able to love yourself whatever that looks like for you correct it could look different for everybody but so i you know there's a history of addiction in my family which you know might you as know. well yeah um you know alcoholism namely my both my grandpa and my dad were alcoholics and you know my grandpa he lost himself in a bottle just after world war ii like came back wrecked and completely pickled himself um decades you know and then eventually found the 12 steps kind of in the back end of his life and got sober and um became a mentor and then like a guru uh of sorts i guess um like kind of like a leader within his aa community um and then you know my dad had his own troubles but he never turned the corner i mean he literally drank himself to death when he was uh 45 right and that that fucked me up, right? More than I was willing to admit uh, to other people or to myself for a long time. I absorbed all that energy of that that time. Um, but, like, in the aftermath, um, all the emotions were complex. I, was, I remember being relieved that it was over. Like, finally, like, this is done. And then feeling guilty for feeling relieved. You know what I mean? Um... And then just, you know, sad that my dad was going to miss my entire adult life, right? This happened when I was just barely 21, ironically, right? Drinking age. Um, and then, you know, shame, embarrassment, you know, at him. And then kind of shame and because I identified so closely with him. It was somebody I looked up to, you know, uh, not the last several years, but before that. I looked, I looked up to him. Um, I looked like him. I mean see photos of him you're like holy shit like um we have the same sense of humor you know um same interest in music and everything um so you know there was this fear right and like powerlessness that like 
somehow that was going to be my genetic destiny. Like it was my grandpa, my dad, and in my 21 year old mind or whatever, it was like, well, why wouldn't it be me? Like, no matter how much I don't want this to be the case, why, you know, why wouldn't it be? So I spent my twenties and thirties and not a whole lot of people know this. My wife knows this. I think my mom knows this, but my sister, you know, I spent my twenties and my thirties studying addiction and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I mean, I went headlong into it. You know, uh, I was, I sort of like reverse engineered my dad's death. Right. And, uh, just wanted to understand it from every angle. It was very much, a kind of like a know your enemy type of situation. And like for us, addiction, but did it give you, did it give you, and I apologize. Um, yeah. did it give you, um, like, did that journey specifically on just obsessing and researching addiction, was that just to put some known to the unknown and then like, you know, it's almost like a, like a, um, you know, like, uh, the only thing I could say, I can't even imagine what, what you went through, but for the sake of discussion, like, uh, you know, my grand, my grandfather committed suicide. I never knew the man. Oh, I didn't know that. But, but there's that unknown that like, like, do I have that gene to, or like, or, well, but like, no, like, why did it happen? What, 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 yeah. Like what did it like the same well, thing was, kind was... of about alcoholism, but you like, that's why I'm asking you, like you went and tackled the subject. Yeah. Did, did you find that that led to helping you compartmentalize and then process and be at peace with everything? Or was that a compulsive obsession part to distract the anger that you had towards your dad or what happened, or maybe it's not anger, whatever it may be, some sort of stage of grief. So you obsessed about addiction. And then one day, like Ruben, you just stopped because you're like, fuck, I, I'm okay. Like I, this wasn't me. I'm going to be okay. I'm still fascinated by it. Like I'm fascinated by musicians that like, um, because it's, it's, I don't, I don't think, I think it's misconstrued as a, like a weakness, uh, or a failure of character. When, 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 when it's, really it's just a misunderstanding. It's a, and that's and, and so it was about understanding it, right? Like this, it was this black thing that like stalked my family for literally generate generations, right? And so I, I wanted to be like I wanted to stop with me, mm-hmm. right? Like it did though. It did. It did. And you know I just. Um, but do you I, feel I just that's... wanted to recognize it, like if it ever popped up, or even like before that, like ensure that it would never. Surface. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm telling you, Bob, like not hundreds of pages of, of reading, like thousands. No, like, I, I, I watched the, the. That doesn't surprise me. Bill, yeah, you know, like me. Yeah. Uh, Bill Wilson documentary, like, um, and the theory too is like, not only do I not want to like, wind up like that, I don't want to pass that along to the next generation, right? Because there's that saying that like, right. pain that is not transformed is transferred. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to be that like uh, that backstop, um, that like generational backstop where like it's, you know, this shit stops with me right here. Um, and um, so I've become like a subject matter expert. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, and I could talk about it kind of from every angle. Right. I could talk about the psychology of addiction and like 
just how it's, it's a, a coping mechanism to, to deal with, uh, you know, self-dysregulation. Um, I can talk about it, you know, like addicts being compelled to do things by their inner thoughts and feelings that are kind of invisible to them, like subconscious stuff mm-hmm. that they're doing uh, to self-medicate, to get temporary relief, um, you know. And, and well, then it becomes programmed and they don't even realize it's, it's just a part of their routine, right? Like it just, well, yeah, like, you know. They need it to live. As I understand it, like addicts will do it because it's an anxiolytic, it's an anxiety reliever, it, you know, it helps their self-esteem, it helps regulate their emotions, it helps self-soothe, you know, tranquilize self-loathing, depression. So, you know, addicts are willfully numbing themselves because of some underlying pain you know and I could talk about like the neurochemical underpinnings of it we can talk about like neurotransmitters <laughs> all night long if you want to talk about mm-hmm. GABA and like serotonin mm-hmm. you know serotonin like stabilizes your mood and well-being mm-hmm. and, and GABA like is a, a soothing neurotransmitter soothing agent and uh, you know addicts a lot of times have uh, deficiencies in GABA or serotonin and that's why addicts will say like they feel uncomfortable in their own skin, like Ruben does in this mm-hmm. this movie, and so they'll self-medicate and um, to try to numb that pain or numb that emptiness. And uh, you know, then the booze wears off or the drugs wear off, and then it comes back. All that that underlying ill ease returns, like you go, you tenfold. Go harder, right? And then you want to go harder, yeah. right? And then yeah, then you you know, it takes more to get the same effect, right? And, and you don't so, care if you're gonna kill yourself. You don't I really think it, care. Well, you don't even think about well, it, I think but you like, don't care. I think uh, if you die from, like, drugs or alcohol, they call that, like, a death of despair. It's like a slow-moving suicide. Yeah. Well, correct. They know I mean? that, but they don't, They like, they almost um, welcome it. Yeah. Like, I'll be out of this soon enough. Yeah, and, like, and your brain is a, you know, it's an organ just trying to maintain homeostasis. So, like, you need more to get the same effect, mm-hmm. and then your brain's like overcorrecting and then you need even more and it's just like this vicious cycle and kind of what started off as like something you were doing to get pleasure or relief turns into something that you're you're doing despite the pain that you're getting right you're doing it because if you not to because you're getting any pleasure from it but because if you stop then you start going well you start facing having, reality too right like you, you yeah 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 so i can do a deep dive into any of the kind of bullet points I just rattle off there and I but I won't like I prefer to explain it in terms of uh interdependent origination which is just like this idea that everything everything arises due to various causes and conditions right cause and effect so I will use my my what I call Ben's Russian nesting doll analogy Mm -hmm. right and I think this is what the movie portrays so you have you know what a Russian nesting doll is like the doll within the doll doll doll. yeah yeah so I think on the outside you have addiction presents itself really ugly. It's a bad. It's a bad deal, right? You open up a di- uh, addiction inside addiction, you'll find another nesting doll called depression and anxiety. You open up the depression and anxiety nesting doll, and then you have sadness and fear. You op- you open up the sadness and fear nesting doll, and you have trauma. And you open up the trauma nesting doll, and then you have whatever the causes of that trauma were. And it could be like imprints from your deepest childhood like if you're a kid that were was abused physically or sexually or if you were neglected or abandoned uh could have a parent that was an addict um you know uh or like if you're an adult you know god forbid lose a child or lose a spouse that could do it or get raped or something like that or like you know go off to war well you don't even know it 
Like, you, don't you, don't even, even, well, you don't even, well, it's that, it goes back to that, like, psychological gating, that, like, defense mechanism that, like, you just, you repress this shit that is too much to bear. Yeah. Your brain. Well, we all do it different, <coughs> right? Like with, like, with me, I am <clears throat> humor. So, that's my coping mechanism. It's a, it's a uh, different type of face... mask that you wear. Right, like, like sarcasm. I, so I face, I face the dark shit internally, and, and I go to the end and I'm severely internally depressed by yeah. whatever event. And, and the only way that you'll know, as I've gotten older, you'll know, like I'll go on these where I'm just 24 seven trying to, to joke. Right. Like yeah. I'm just, and, and I get uncomfortable in like dark situations where I'm just like hammering jokes. That's a mask of source. But I, but I, but I know that now. Right. So like it yeah. used to, I used to not know that, but then I'm like, that's okay. Cause I'm still dealing with it. And that is a way to deal with it. I no longer use that as a, defense mechanism correct it's just the way i have to do it to cope but i'm aware of it now so it's to me it's different which maybe that is just a whole nother way of coping with the coping maybe you know like maybe it's not even good you're just fooling yourself (laughs) twice over yes yeah no but but i like i think about my grandpa you know where all this shit started going over to like you know europe world war ii when he was just barely 18 you know, and he was... God, the things those dudes saw. That's what I'm saying, and couldn't unsee. No, those dudes in then Vietnam, like those poor bastards. And he wouldn't, just... he wouldn't talk about it. There was just like the stoicism. Those guys came back and just, they did not talk about it. They drank away their pain and, um, you know, and were worse off for it, right? Just like totally damaged people. And I think that's where it started. And then my dad probably... Well, they say, though, like, you know, the, the DNA imprint, you know, it burnt, it burns your... It's like I, I I forget what the the book that I that I started reading and they had a bit in there about slavery and how it is ingrained in DNA. Yeah. So that's why the Holocaust it, survivors will correct, pass it along thing. in their in their genetic code. Yes. Yeah. Right. So so <clears throat> alcoholism could be the same could be the same the it, same way. Like the anxiety is passed. passed right. And then when you the see trauma. it and you see it all the time, you you it's it's just like. You know, if you're if you're poor and you live in a uh, a trailer park, you know, odds are you're going to stay in that trailer park. You know, it's just, it's the same kind of thing unless you can break above it. Different type of cycle. Right, but yeah. I mean a similar yeah. like. Yeah. You got to break the break the cycle. You got to break the cycle yeah. no matter what it is, and if you can break through that, then you start realizing like, well, wait a minute, like, okay, this is how I cope with this. This is right. This is wrong. This is what I would, you know, and and you don't need that 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 well, distraction. So I want to like to wrap it up. I want to talk about like what we see Ruben do in this movie that helps him get out of get out of it right but um I'll just before we go there I'll just say like this movie like it just nails the whole uh, addiction as I understand it right like it, it doesn't matter what is inside of Ruben's that last nesting doll like what the, the causes of his trauma was he hasn't dealt with it yet right so when something bad happens he loses his hearing because he hasn't dealt with that like innermost nesting doll, Lou is freaked out that he's going to revert back to addictive behavior. And the solution to uh, ensuring that you don't, you know, uh, fall back into addiction and, and that sort of behavior is to go deal with your shit. And whatever that means, like, you know, whether that's uh, meditation or plant medicine or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, ayahuasca you know with a shaman (laughs) whatever whatever works that's Mm -hmm. the message of this this movie um to me but so 
you care if we talk about like uh, what we what I think is the evidence in the movie around what's helping, what's working for him. Um, sure. So like um, the solitude, we've talked about that. Like the sense of community that he's getting with he's this, never this had. deaf community that he's never had. Right. This like pseudo a family, pseudo family right, yeah, almost yeah, yeah. like in the Paul Thomas Anderson way. Like all of his movies center around these like pseudo families, these makeshift families, like this, this community, deaf community has become a family. family yeah. yeah. And the relationships that he develops with those people and with the kids, uh, he's got a sense of purpose. You know, the first thing they do when you check in at this, uh, um, uh, house is give people jobs, right? His job was to learn how to be deaf right in the beginning. Right. Um, which I'm sure that was everybody's first job, right? Everybody's that's, first that's job. The first part of the step. Yeah. Um, service, you know, uh, working with deaf kids, um, we see him like attending to his present moment experience and um, you know communing with nature. We see him journaling. That's why therapy works. Like journaling works, just kind of getting it out of your head and on a paper, so you can look at it in an objective way, get some distance from it, and then just kind of like leaning into joy, playing with the kids. Like all those things are the things that unlocks, I think, the healing for him. And when he starts feeling start doing better mm-hmm. i don't know no I, yeah yeah um, i agree it, it was it, but, but there's like several pieces to that puzzle so like yep. he had to like it's almost like you know yeah there are the stages of grief the state whatever he had to like go through all these stages of internal struggle and then they say like you know the seven stages which there's debate on are there more are there less but the, the thing that they do agree on now is like there's no order to them <clears throat> so that's what right. i liked about this like it wasn't traditional order he went he had to go through all the phases of grief yeah in his own way. Yeah, in his own time, in his own yeah. way, yeah. All brought on by different circumstances. Yeah. Childhood, drugs, relationship breakup, going deaf. Yeah. Like, but the deafness was such a profound event that yeah. it made him deal with this shit. And he dealt with it, right? And we think that he's going to be happier and, and live a, a more peaceful it life. Lo- it looks like he's gotten there. He's got purpose know, now, right? Real purpose, not yeah. purpose that he's created. Yeah. Or that he needs. Or distraction. Correct. Yeah. Um... Anything else to say about this movie before I ask you whether you... Uh, no. Uh, I think it's clear to tell. You're going to vouch for this I'm one? I'm totally going to vouch yeah. for this one. Yeah, yeah. Good. Um, glad to hear it. Um, all right. I don't think we've... Did, I think the closest to... I think what a mixed vouch on the, uh, the Avid Brothers is the only one that we haven't really yeah. agreed on. Which <laughs> yeah. is awesome, right? Like, that's... Whatever. You need to throw something at me that, like, you're not sure about. Yeah, man, I don't know. Uh, well, and, and so so now all that will lead me into my next challenge. Because yeah. I've, I've been thinking about this, and, and it, music. We said music, you know, so I've been... Yeah, we've been doing a lot of movies, so... Yeah, and I I, I have been... Uh, uh, so I was thinking, and I was like, you know, we, you and I have talked a lot about Nick Cave. Um, and and I, I was like, you know what, this will, I think what I want to do, and I'm going to ask you what, what you want to do. So... I I was going to suggest one album, okay. That me that I think is the most beautiful album ever made for me personally. And then I got to thinking, okay, so so this album is the last in a supposed trilogy of albums. So do you want to tackle the album that I originally was going to do, or would you like to have the trilogy of albums and then explain? I can go two ways with it. So like, if you think a trilogy of albums is too much to take, and you just want to do the one. We okay. can just do the one. So I'll let you pick on the fly here. What trilogy you meaning they were intend, intended they to were, go together? Yes. Yes. Let's do the trilogy. Okay. I got a month or whatever. What? Let's okay. do the trilogy. All right. So I'm going to all, you know, we'll have plenty of time to, to, to discuss uh, Nick Cave, uh, but, but this is more in focusing in. So 
there was a there was a point in his career starting. Everything is it's weird or at least a little funny that like your two big heroes are Nick. It is Nick, weird. Nick Cage and Nick, Nick, Nick Cave. Nick with the C and one with the Cage. I know it is weird, and I confuse them all the time. Like when I'm, yeah. when I'm talking, I'll say Cage or Off Cave. Off by for one letter. That. Isn't that crazy? That's weird. Yeah, of course, Nick Cage is really Nick Coppola. Yeah, right. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay, so um, 2013, Push the Sky Away comes out. And um, I want to say that was his... 15th, 16th, and 17th album. Yeah, so that was his 15th studio album released in 2013. Okay. I think his first studio album is Nick Came of the Bad Seeds. It's horrible that I don't know this, but I think it was 1983. So you give me some relative recent stuff. Uh, yeah, because, because, so, I was a huge fan prior. So, like, my whole, well, we'll talk about it on the next podcast. But anyway, so this is where he stepped out of, um, he was very, like, narrator-based. Okay. And he stepped out of that with Push the Skyway, which is like, when it came out, I instantly, just so you know, like, Push the Skyway is one of my... When you say narrator, like first-person perspective, or... Or any, but yeah, first, third, but it, there's a there's a narrator involved, or a, or a personal, like... He's I'm, telling a story. He's either telling a story through someone, about someone, yeah. or, he, or he is yeah. pretending to be someone, right? Okay, but it's a linear, there's a, there's just, he's doing storytelling in a linear yes. way. Yes, let's just say story, story more of a storyteller type uh you know way of of going about things so then when this came out um, i had been anticipating this album because it had been uh, i want to say did that come out in i think there was like five or six years between the 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 last album and then when push the sky away so we won't i won't bother you with any of the past we'll start with push the sky so when this came out i mean i was instantly mesmerized because it was unlike anything that he'd ever done okay so i was like gorgeous beautiful abstract weird like the everything just just poetry like just real okay. so it's a top 25 album of all time for, for me um personally so he does push the sky away and it's just like wow like he it's it it it, it was the album that made people i think appreciate his entire career like it started with that like now here we are almost 10 years later and people like give him the credit that he deserves and and the adoration and and you know you hear from matt berninger and other folks like yeah the, the guy's a genius right and and the fact that he completely switched was it like um like he you know the people that loved him loved him but he never like broke through and got widespread acceptance until this trilogy like yeah did he reach i think a, this like this a, was more uh was it like a accessible more accessible was it like a confirmation though of what his long-term fans always like no there's, a, there's a lot of him? there's a lot of hardcore fans that like were mad at first at because this. it was so different yeah because like with any band you know you've got your fans that like i tend to be a if i'm a fan of somebody even the stuff that i don't like i respect i like it all yeah. You know, like Neil Young is an example and, and Nick Cave is another example. But what's crazy is like that to me, his best stuff is are, are these last three. Like consistently entire albums like the, the, this trilogy. This and he hasn't trilogy. done anything since the, the third one in that trilogy. No, no, he's done so then him and Warren Ellis came out with Carnage, which technically is not a bad seeds. But e- but even that, like that doesn't go with this trilogy. So like okay. Carnage the latest is kind of starting anew, but it's along the same kind of Okay feel and sound um so he went away from the narrator he goes into more of a um soundscape electronic synthesizers uh just completely 
creates this atmospheric sound and then this just kind of abstract poetry and the way he's always a wordsmith anyway so it just like amazing and then so then that happens uh in 13 push the skyway comes around fantastic and then i believe in 16 skeleton skeleton tree came out so in the midst of recording skeleton skeleton tree is when um when his when his son Arthur, who is a twin with his other son, Earl, and I believe he was, I had it here just to remember the age, I think he was 15 at the time, took some LSD with a friend and fell off a cliff to his death. Oh. And so, like, if you listen to Skeleton Tree, you'll think, like, a lot of people were like, oh my god, like, he wrote all this about, but it was pretty much finished. He amended some lyrics or whatever. Okay. Um, and he filmed a really cool documentary, which we may do for another after this. Maybe we'll digest it later, because that's a well, whole that could be thing. extra credit. Yeah, well, you, we'll talk about that okay. when we get there. Okay. Um, and and so just raw i mean um and we'll get into the songs or whatever you know uh like just i'm like oh my god like he's getting better and better so so his son dies it's horrible like i'm like oh my god but i selfishly right after i heard that besides being crushed and just feeling horrible like this is gonna make for some good art 100 percent. so then he gets that out you're a sick fuck, Bob. Goes away. Well, but I, I <laughs> but like I know how I know, this I know dude you, is. I know I'm just like, oh yeah. my god, this yeah. is gonna be. But it's gonna floor me, right? Like yeah. I'm gonna be dead after this. Like I'm just gonna be stripped and thrown to the floor, crying, and and then build myself back up. And right. And so, he releases. Uh, and so and so in 2019, he in between 16, he kind of goes quiet after the release of Skeleton Tree, rightly so, right? Like he finished it and it kept his distractions again, mm-hmm. grief, and he finishes it. And then he starts doing these conversations with Nick Cave uh, around the country, which I was lucky enough, lucky enough to see one in Minnesota, um, where he, he's asking questions. And then it turns into the Red Hand Files, where he's like, so this reclusive, kind of weird, nobody really knows who he is, the death of his son, all, the outpouring that he got from these fans, he starts doing this like almost weekly question and answer newsletter. Yeah, like, like responding email. to letters, right? Yes, yeah. yes, and, and asking questions, like has become this whole, and like at first I was like, oh my God, I don't want him to do this because like I want him to stay like a Bowie, like abstract and not really know what he is. Or... And this is in podcast form? Is that no, right? no, it's just an email. Like you sign up for it on his uh, website. It's and all hand, email it's all written. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. But it's actually made him far more intriguing and human and it's incredible. So then what he does is he goes and then he releases in 2019, the, 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 this was the album that I was only going to give you, the final of the trilogy. So you got Push the Sky Away, Skeleton Tree, and then Ghostine. Mm-hmm. And Ghostine is entirely, it's a, it's a double album. And uh, he, he, he describes it as, I, I put it here because I wanted to use his words. So, um, so the first part of the album features eight songs, which he describes as the children. And then the second part of the album contains two longer songs and a spoken word track, which he describes as their parents. So like when he summarizes it, he says, uh, Ghostine is both a migrating spirit and the final part of a trilogy of albums that began with Push the Sky Away. So it's these like metaphorical, metaphysical, spiritual like conversations that he is is thinking and having with his dead son. Like there's some some inspiration there. It's it's the craziest like when you get to Ghostine, yeah. I 
so like that this out al- the, the ghosting album is the album that i go to to cleanse myself like to cleanse my soul whether i'm sad whether i'm happy whether I, it dude it's it's grief it's anxiety it's death it's hope it's like it's despair a reset button almost like but it, but it hits like every human emotion if you can tap into it right like yeah. you, you got to try to if it pings on your frequency right yeah and it it's just like so when i first heard it uh, we'll, we'll, we'll save it for the podcast anyway so my challenge to you yeah um in that very rambling <laughs> i don't even, hey, even want to hear this your passion now. comes through well yeah so like <laughs> push the sky away skeleton tree and ghosting and, and listen to those three as a trilogy. Okay. And I want you to just like, it'll give you a good sense of, of you it's literally to listen a, to them in the order they came out. Listen in, to the right? order they came out to. And, and this is a rebirth of sorts of him career wise. Okay. Uh, the way that he sees things, the way that he writes the way, like everything, but it ends. The, the main point I want to get you to is with ghosting because, you know, the trilogy clearly was never the idea from the very beginning, but it started becoming the idea and then the final chapter of ghosting it's just this dude it's chilling like it's insanity and and you the reason i brought up you got to know that his, the way that his son passed and like the, the, the everything like it, it's it's just intense so so listen to those three albums and then we'll okay. we'll we'll just go where the discussion takes us i mean do you think him. if we regroup in a month that's enough time to if i yeah Say this but is you're maybe need like to spend... all I listen to. Well, you know, I mean, well, if you'd like to, that'd be even better. I think, I think, here's what I'll say: you need to listen to each album multiple times until something clicks for you. And then move on. Wait till it clicks to move on. And then move on. Yeah. And then move on, and then go back before we, before we meet, when we figure out whatever day we're gonna do it, like that day before, just go, one, two, three, right in a row. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, I'm I'm excited about yeah. this. I so so there's so I like to dig into projects like this, okay. as you can imagine. So and I don't know if you would describe it as like concept album or concept trilogy, but it sounds like they're all interrelated and they're Dude, all a, part a, of a big mosaic that he's. You can you can taste these albums, you can touch these albums, you can feel these albums. It 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 creates especially ghosting. Ghosting is like. There's two albums that make me feel the way that Ghosting makes me feel, and that is Black Star, Bowie's last album, and then Ghosting by Cave. And I can't even put into words what it, but they, it, it those two albums take me to a whole different mm-hmm. realm of thinking and feeling and scared and angry and, and like happy and ineffable, like you can't articulate it. Almost. I can't, dude. It's it's like yeah. a. But we're gonna attempt it. <laughs> Yeah, Next and, month. and and who knows? This may be the the that you don't vouch, uh, which is fine. But I'll I think you, that I'll you'll you, I, I, you'll appreciate. I want the, to like what you're talking about, yes. and I am excited to dig into it. So. I think that you will appreciate. Like this isn't this isn't about. I'm not having you listen to these for music. Mm-hmm. This is spiritual. Yeah. Feeling. I mean, not to say there's not some great, but just the whole. You'll 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 yeah. experience it for yourself. I'm not. You know, we'll find out what you think. Okay. I could be completely crazy, Ben. No, but, I'm intrigued. Yes. I'm so intrigued. there, there's your challenge. And before I throw it back to you for the final goodbyes here, again, uh, our good pal JT Mudd of Ishi mm-hmm. released his uh, album on September the 24th. It's called Sweet Gold. It's available on Bandcamp, um, and 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 to, to purchase, and you can listen to it on all streaming platforms and uh we need to kind of off the air like once we break that down i just got the vinyl in the mail so i've been kind of waiting i listened to it one time through digitally and then Mm -hmm. i want to drop the vinyl 
Um, and then we can have a quick discussion about that and then maybe, you know, pick a couple songs to start. Yeah, I might have to borrow that vinyl once you're, you know, oh, absolutely. once you're done with, not done with it. One of 500. You've... I'm excited. I was excited to get, uh, I think he sold them all out. Only too. 500. They did that a explains limited why run. I didn't get one. Yeah. So, cool. Um, all right. Anything else? No, man. Sorry, I was long-winded there at the end. But no, it's But all, again, full vouch. It's all good. Again, great movie. Makes you think. Yeah, I'm glad you liked you it. You know, raw, real, great acting. Yeah. So thank you for that. I would yeah. have never stumbled upon that. Though. No, glad you uh, glad you liked it. It seemed to resonate. Like all the same kind of points in the movie that uh, resonate with you, resonate with me. So yes. Uh, and I think this, this next, the challenge of this trilogy, I think will, it, like, it's still, it's kind of the same. Yeah. The same realm. Okay, interesting. Yeah, you'll, you'll see Interesting. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up here. This is Ben and Bob sending out an SSOS. See ya. Thank you for listening to Secret Sources of Sustenance. We'd like to thank Ishi from Dallas, Texas for allowing us to use their music in our podcast. Check them out at ishimusic.com, Ishi Music on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, at Ishi Music on Twitter. Their music is available on all major streaming platforms. Thank you as well to David Thexton at David Thexton Photography for allowing us to use his photo in our cover art. Please visit davidthextonphotography.com for more of his amazing work. And thank you for the production help we've received from Marquee Creative. For commercial, corporate, or any video or audio production help you need, visit marqueecreativekc.com. Oh.